Yo, Broken Run, I'm gonna I'm have to cut you off, bro. You guys are gonna hate me so hard right now. I didn't record any of my, my audio for the entire, like, bit. I just noticed. I am so okay. sorry. We're gonna have to redo everything. That was the most beautiful intro I'm so sorry. Oh. I know. It was such a good intro. It was no, such a good okay. intro, you and I absolutely ruined it. I am ruin so it, sorry. So I don't put any blame on you. I really didn't. I thought we killed it. I really thought we killed it. All right, I'm just gonna quickly do my part. I'm gonna shut, shut up, and I'm just gonna, like power on through and right, pick right back up where uh, Ronan left off. All right. Uh, hi, hi, everybody. Welcome back to episode four. Why do I keep saying that? Dude, every single time I open up this fucking podcast, I keep saying, welcome back to episode blank. And I'm like, they haven't started the episode, right? Like who leaves in the first 10 seconds comes back and they're like, whoa, a lot's changed in the last like half second, whatever. Um, hi, guys. Welcome back to the Honored Ones podcast. This is episode four. I'm your host, Creams, here with my co-host. Broken Ronan. What's up, guys? gonna jump into it with a, a few special things um i guess i'll kind of uh go over those so we have a guest on here uh doofy you can go ahead and introduce yourself yo what's up people it's an absolute honor and pleasure so far to be on the broken ronin and cream super special fun time hour podcast style uh and i look forward to having a really bad discussion and then regretting it later on yes sir so hell yeah dude yeah i mean we have a guest on here so that's pretty dope we also you know as YouTubers also kind of... Yo, uh, BR, you're going to have to say that last part again. Your Discord cut out. All right, hold on. What part Is it always like this? <laughs> no. I yep, every swear. single... Dude, wait. What, what, what the fuck do you think I edit? Uh, <laughs> true. It's what just... Bro, it's literally all Discord glitches. Wait, what? what where'd I cut off? Uh, as YouTubers, dot, dot, dot. Oh, okay. Basically, we finally did our job as YouTubers, um, actually, on the day we recorded this podcast. Um, I uploaded a video, at least on the day that I'm actually recording the podcast, and Creams did as well. Um, so, you know, give us a round of applause. Thanks. Yeah, dude. Yeah, dude. I can't believe we did it. Yeah. I'm, I'm personally excited. I started this Bleach video a month ago, and it feels good to finally have it done. It should be up uh, by the Friday that this podcast is up, and that would be, ideally the 10th of December. And if you haven't seen that video already, uh, well, obviously, if you're watching this podcast, if you're one of those uh, well-hung Giga Chads that watch our podcast the same day it drops, we thank you, we appreciate you. Don't tell the others, but you're our favorites. Anyway, watch that video on my channel the next day. Let's just get right into this shit. Uh, BR was talking about how he thought that uh, My Hero Academia had a better chapter than Jujutsu Kaisen like and that. said Gege Akatami's life was absolutely don't mid. Don't like that. Uh, um, yeah, <laughs> but both had great chapters, JJK and My Hero. I honestly don't have a lot to complain about. Like, I could just sit here and, like, fanboy over Megami, which I already did on Twitter, honestly. Um, but yeah. Well, do it yeah, again. I mean, he was, it was this great. Content's running. Right? Great chapter. Um, I think Kenjaku's being built up quite a bit, so I enjoyed that. Megami did his thing, beat Nash, you know, as he should. Um, the My Academia chapter was good as well. We got a little bit, uh, like, a hint of how our, our main trio's progressing. Bakugo, Deku, whatever. Um, mm -hmm. uh, you know, they're all... Which is exactly what I wanted. Yeah. If you guys listened to last week's podcast, that's ex literally exactly what I wanted. Yeah, and then we kind of, like, the, the more, like, body of the chapter was focusing on a little reveal that was, like, kind of, is foreshadowed the right word? Whatever. We saw a little bit of it last chapter. People freaked out. You know, I obviously, in my all-knowing omniscience, didn't. Oh, my God. And trust Workoshi, and guess what? It paid off. Workoshi did not miss this week. So, I'm you know, I'm happy about that. So am I, man. I always love it when Horikoshi actually, like, 
goes back to his roots and remembers that he's a good writer. It's my favorite feeling in the world. And I'll admit he had me worried there for a second or, you know, two months. Same thing, really. Yeah. Uh, are we are we getting into spoilers? No, not this week. No. Oh, right. Because we have uh, hmm, here. Hey. Yeah. Um has a name. <laughs> Thank you very much, bro. But yeah, I mean, feel free, so feel yeah. free to spoil the fuck out of MHA. I will never read that dog for the rest of my life. JJK, yes, however, right. has a special place in my heart, and I will be reading like the last three chapters together, like probably later this week. I'd just like to save them up, you know what Don't I mean? Worry, like man. having only yeah. twenty yes. eighteen pages of JJK a week is it's it's criminal. You know what I mean? I gotta I gotta save some of that shit up yeah. to really and Hor- and uh, time he does be taken yeah, he does be taken like one week breaks at a drop of a hat sometimes. Yeah. As but, he should. Yeah, I mean he pumping out bangers, and if he doesn't get sick like he did last time again, whatever. Go do your thing, Akutami, but... Yeah. In any case, both good chapters this week. I mean, usually... Now, if the chapters were bad, I probably would have dove into them more, but, like, I genuinely just don't have mm-hmm. much to complain about. I'm excited to see, honestly, sure. both of them. Uh, like, like those storylines mm-hmm. regards Megami doing his thing, um, and I'm interested in seeing how Deku handles this this new news that he was just confronted with. Hell Wait, real yes, quick, real dude. quick, a little bit of an interjection here okay. um, to both of you, mm-hmm. but I don't know how familiar you are with Naruto creams. Okay, oh, I know. Okay. Leave it to Doofy to bring back the Naruto. But on Twitter <laughs> right now, there's a whole debate going on about Sasuke versus Megumi, and I just wanted to know, Ronan, where you stand on this, because I know you think rather highly of both. Just overall, like, which you like better, who you think is yeah. better written, whatever. Uh, so, listen, listen. So I, I just want to preface this by saying both of them are really good uh, when... I mean, that's an understatement for me, but Sasuke mops the floor with Megumi in a way Let's that's fucking very go. Because Sasuke's like one of the <laughs> best Sasuke's one of the best characters ever. Like you pit Sasuke up against most of a character I can think of. Like it's they're getting washed. So it's not anything against Megumi. He's he's literally my favorite character in JJK, but he's not touching Sasuke, unfortunately. Okay. Yeah, because it's difficult to tell because I've already pinned you as like the JJK guy. So I just assume yeah. that you have every JJK character at the absolute highest of, of pinnacles. But then you surprised me, I guess, last week when you mentioned that Sasuke is like top four characters for you. So this debate just seemed like something I wanted to, to really know what you thought. But yeah, I, I mean, I also fall in the same place as you. But yeah. Creams, are you in any position to answer the question as well? Nah, dude, I don't watch mid shows or below mid. Bro, you're literally you're literally reading My Hero Academia right now, okay? So I don't want to hear nothing. Bro, I'm taking this from a guy that couldn't handle three chapters of One Punch Man. Doofy, it's not my fault. You can't. Bro, I'm 25 chapters in. My shit ain't changed. It's still dog. Oh my god! All right, you still dog. So crazy how both y'all can just hit and miss like Simon. Y'all just, y'all just one time Doofy goes off on Naruto, yes, and then he says One Punch Man's ass. I'm like, God, all right? And then Creams over here doesn't like Naruto. Oh, man, I guess I'm the only one spitting on the podcast. Um, but yeah, to answer your question, Sasuke's way better. Sasuke's, Sasuke's better than most. Well, that's a lot to say. I was going to say Sasuke's better than the series, but I don't know if I say that like alone. But he's definitely mm-hmm. better than each individual character in JJK. Fair, fair. All right, so I'm. I want to like give uh, Br. I want to give our scores for the chapters just to kind of keep it moving. At, you know, timestamp me doesn't fucking like kill somebody. So uh, 
final scores for the My Hero Academia chapter and JJK chapter. Uh, let me just go first. First off, for the JJK chapter, honestly, I give it an 8 out of 10. My Hero chapter, also 8 out of 10. Okay. Um, for JJK, it's going to get a solid 10 for me. I don't have any complaints. Um, I like how it built up Genjaku. None? Yeah, no complaints. Um, I mean, I guess the only complaint would be that it wasn't longer, but that's a complaint of the format of chapter. Yeah. Like, oh, <laughs> actual chapter. Uh, um, My Hero is probably like an 8. Um, really good. I'm excited, more excited to see what happens next, though. Bro, I can't believe you gave that chapter. You've been given all these chapters like 10s and shit, man. I, like, I don't know how Gage is going to live up to your expectations. I mean, if it's good, it's good. Which one to do? Hey, let bro enjoy it, Green. What the <laughs> fuck's wrong with you? <laughs> nah, dude, I don't, I don't, I don't like when people enjoy things without my permission. It really freaks me out. It's, it's kind of like I'm quirky, spoken like spoken like a true Hunter Hunter fan. <laughs> <laughs> all right, it's hard to be blessed. Oh my god! Tell me about it. As an Naruto fan, I know all about that. Facts. My God, bro, we get it. You need the audiobook or else you can't read a book. Bro, you gotta you gotta stop flexing dude. I literally said to Doofy, yo, just because you look like baby no money doesn't make you a god. And all it's been doing is getting to his head. He's been on a roll uh, recently. Check his Twitter. That hot I, don't, I, I don't I don't know what you're trying to say there. You're just saying that I'm doing good. And I'm like, fuck yeah, I am. Like what what about it? <laughs> Okay, where's the, where's yo, the kind of like punch to the nads? You know what I mean? Like, I feel like you were setting me up bro, for like you're a literally, nuts, but I, you're, you're literally just I, like, I, I, I like I, what okay. you're doing. I lost half my steam. I literally ha lost half my steam at, at the halfway point there. Are you, are you happy, Doofy? Are you fucking happy? Can we just get on to the main fucking topic? Yeah, I'm happy, okay? bro. Like, Dice had made a community post today. And he's like, yeah, everyone go sub to Doofy out of fucking nowhere. I gained like 11 subs. Life is good. I'm almost at a thousand. Of course I'm happy, dog. I don't know who Dice said is. Really? Nah. I, is it like a video game person or? Shake my head. I the name is Dice Head. How know, is you that? You don't know the best anti-tuber on the platform. That's kind of wild. I That's kind of disrespectful. I hate you both. This is the shit I'm talking about, dude. It's that fucking meme. It's literally that meme. I'm, I, I'm literally a prophet, dude. I actually. I fucking foresaw this in my third eye. I don't know if you're memeing. Like, do you just not know who Dice Head is? I have. I don't just know who this an is. Just an Very cool guy. So we talked about the chapters, we ranked them, you know, we mentioned that Horikoshi didn't miss finally. What 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 next podcast leader creams? Oh, thank you. I really appreciate that. First of all, I want to get into like straight into the main topic because we do have, as much as I hate to say it, a certified, fully realized philosopher king in Let's our midst. Let's fucking go, in, uh, boys. Bro, he, That's me. He literally teaches bro, he literally teaches people who pay him to pay to listen to him like how much uh, life is like it doesn't matter so with that spirit in mind i want to ask you about this dm you got br because you 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 may not have noticed this but you get you made me blush like a little schoolgirl when you were like somebody who uh listens to the podcast dm me bro that's like it's a this is a surefire way to like turn to turn on my engine <laughs> okay i'll just i mean they sent it to me on twitter i'll just copy paste it over here Boom. That's what happened. Alright, so uh, I'm, I'm going to start reading the quote right now. Bro, just finished listening to the three episodes of Your Screams podcast, and I really love that shit. I don't know if the point of it is for you two to debate each other, or if that just so happens... Uh, or if that just happens to happen. But I was wondering if you'd ever do an episode about your favorite philosophies in anime. 
Not really huge into Annie Tube, as I don't really like most of them, but I think you and Creams are some of the select few that are very well spoken. Thank you. Thank you, super great podcast. I think you guys have a gem here. I do too. I don't know about Broken Ronin. He's kind of a pessimist, but I really like what we're doing with this podcast. I, I agree. Uh, I am not a pessimist. I would consider myself fairly optimistic, actually. Um, but I will say thank Lies. you for the message. Uh, I obviously responded to him on Twitter when he sent me this. Yeah. Um... <laughs> So are we gonna get into favorite philosophies in anime? Can I can I ask uh-huh. a clarifying question? I mean, obviously neither of you know Shoot. since you didn't write the question, but what do you mean philosophies about anime? Do you mean philosophies of like like your philosophy about reading it, or your? All right, I'm gonna tell you how I interpreted the question and how I'm gonna answer it, and then you guys can like decide if that's the uh, direction you want to go. So the way I interpreted it was like, what's your favorite anime uh, running theme or something? that you just are a complete sucker for every time you see it, if it's, like, executed properly. So the example I had in mind was um, when things don't go according to plan. It's, like, my favorite thing in uh, in anime. And what I mean by that is uh, Chimera Antark, for example, uh, when you actually watch Hunter x Hunter, wasn't supposed to happen. All that they were supposed to do was just get to Greed Island and then find Jean or Kite, and then from there, Kite would, like, do some kind of training and then they'd move on to the next step in their journey to finding uh gene and then that would be it right but then all of chimera ant happened to happen at that same time kind of derailing the entire like plan for uh for hunter hunter and it's super interesting because it like gives me the uh impression again this is strictly from my reading that uh hunter hunter is with the Chimera Ants arc was kind of subtextually saying, uh, yeah, sometimes uh, shit happens and it do be what it be, or it is what it is, as the common folk like to say. Uh, but that's like the really short version of like how I interpreted that question and my answer. So uh, yeah, you guys take it. I will not interrupt. I'll just chime in really quickly because I don't have nearly as much to say. Although I am fully equipped to actually answer that question as well, I I probably interpreted it in a completely different way in particular i just thought they were asking about our philosophies about just just reading manga or watching anime you know how do we approach an anime or manga how do we how do we Uh rank it um of course it's obviously that's the stuff i talked about on my channel of course i'm going to find that in the question so of course i read it exactly as such but the idea of like what's you know philosophies and anime is so vague that I mean, it's easy to see how you derived your interpretation. I derived mine, and probably also with Ronan. But I feel like uh, yeah. Creams and I have, have both kind of. Different. Oh, really? Completely different than both? Okay, let's let's hear it though. Really? I'm, I, I really thought yeah, that me and Creams okay. exhausted it, but no, please. Yeah. No, so so what? I, if I'm correctly, you basically got what is your philosophy when approach anime. Creams was kind of like interpretation, like what he liked it. Mine was more of a like, what is the philosophy that a character upholds? Like, what is my favorite depiction of philosophy? And so, like, I might come off a little bit obtuse here. I think that's the right word, obtuse here, because I'm not necessarily sure where the differentiation or where like the line is drawn between like an ideal per day versus like a philosophy. But like, for example, I thought it was more like. Okay, if you compare like Merriam's philosophy of like um, the Chimera ants being like biologically superior versus like pain's, you know, cycle of hatred, blah, blah, blah. Um, kind of, 
most utilitarian speech, if you want to say that, that's what I kind of interpreted it as. Like, which one of a characters, even though the, these anime didn't create these philosophies, um, like, which depiction of a philosophy is your favorite anime? So I think I took a little mm. bit of a, a okay. tertiary approach to that. I love that all three of us had completely, like, different interpretations of a singular Should prompt. we <laughs> answer all of them to make sure we satisfy yeah, we the... Can. You know yeah, what I mean? We're pretty early in the yeah, we're pretty early in the podcast. Uh, do you want to do it in the order we set them or in the order yeah, of like interest? Order. You already answered yours, Cream, so I think we can go down the line of like, okay, like what is like uh, like basically the way I look at it is like what is a trope we enjoy, I guess. Like um yeah. at least that's how my brain kind of rationalizes it. Okay, so basically what we all agreed to do, um, we're gonna go down each of our interpretations and I'll give our answers. Um Creams gave his kind of going over like uh, the like the tropes, if you will, um, that these anime and manga have, and like our favorite ones of that. And Doofy, you can go in and give you a second, and I'll uh, kind of go last and wrap everything up, at least for that interpretation. Yeah. So, like, following with the idea that there are certain tropes that I'm just like, oh man, when I see them, I'm I'm an absolute child, and I'm just gonna eat up whatever you give me. Um, for me, that has to be the idea of like this kind of like prodigal son who is like ingenious, absolutely brilliant, very talented, yet is received poorly by the public in the sense of like, okay, well, he's technically good, but you know, he doesn't have any soul. It doesn't have no passion. That might seem a little abstract, but there are a few very concrete instances where I think this is very well expressed. Um, for one, your line, April. Kosei, everyone recognizes, is a, a brilliant penis. <laughs> penis. Um, but... Like, everyone in the audience simultaneously remarks that, like, it just feels like a robot's playing the song. Like, it doesn't actually, like, it's impressive technically, but, like, it just kind of lacks something. Likewise, we see that in Brockamon, where Sehanda is uh, a calligrapher who is very well-renowned for his talents, but unfortunately just isn't able to produce something that is really distinguishing, and so that results in him getting second place. He lashes out at that, and then... In both anime, they have their whole journey from, you know, this frustrated genius towards producing something more original. And maybe not at the, like, the, maybe not to sacrifice the kind of ingenious of their work, but like, you know, kind of not just doing something technical for the sake of being technical, but just trying to be yourself and using your genuine skill to produce that. And I think in both cases, we see exactly that. Kosei, you know, performs an amazing work. Um, that actually feels like he is playing it. He is in command. Like what Brockman uh, say produces, like just a beautiful, you know, piece of calligraphy that is, you know, very well received. And so, anytime I see that theme, I'm very sympathetic to it. Um, in spring of 2021, there was an anime called Those Snow White Notes. Very similar theme. This time it was with, um, man, I forget the word now, but it was some kind of musician. Uh, who was also, again, just like a technical genius. But everyone who heard him was like, wow, that just kind of sounds like your grandfather. Like, there's nothing original here. And so they kind of are like, yeah, it's whatever. And so the the show, from what I can tell, is just this main character trying to find his own style. I dropped it. <laughs> I think it wasn't like a, a particularly good execution of that theme. But I, I had, like, if you asked anyone who was watching anime with me along that time, like Noob or, or, or even Tayo, I spoke very highly of that anime when it first came out because I'm so sympathetic to that theme, but when I just saw it so poorly executed, I just couldn't convince myself to keep watching. So I guess, I mean, that's kind of the theme that gets me uh, going more than any other, and I'm very sympathetic mm -hmm. to. 
that's kind of cool. Uh, it's somewhat, I'll say it's somewhat similar in the sense that, like, um, at least with, like, my, my favorite theme, like, the theme that's just, like, kind of like you said, like, all all common sense, all critical thinking skills are just like, yeah, nah, this is great, this is fire. <laughs> it's like the, um, the, like, that super genius that's, like, like super tactical in planning, so, um, like, a light Yagami, Lelouch, uh, like, those types of characters. For some reason, just seeing those characters, like, um, like methodically work through whatever problems they're solving or whatever like kind of goals they're 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 running towards or whatever light um you know somewhat developing into this god complex type character Lelouch you know obviously doing his thing um with his revolt um Ayuna Koji um from Classroom of the Elite is also a really good example I don't know what it is it's honestly hard for me to pinpoint what it is about that type of character but just something it's just seeing I, I think part of it is like having my expectations consistently subverted um, by the fact that, like, you'll think that their plans, you know, they finally messed up, right? They, they finally got it wrong. You know, they've been caught, um, whatever. And then you just have that, like, that super, I, I don't know how to explain it, that super just, like, arrogant smile of, like, the plan finally went through fruition or whatever. Um, and, and them explaining their plan, breaking it down, and showing you, like, why this is something you, like, it's, I love it when it's not something that's just plot-induced stupidity on their opponent's end. Like, it's something that you could have technically figured out if you were able to think through it as logically as they were. Um, and I just really like those types of things. Like, that strategy-heavy, super smart, and a lot of times, like, really emotional characters. I think it's always fun to see them. And it is always funny to—not funny, but it's always interesting um, and sometimes emotional when they do actually mess up or they do fail— um, like loose or light breaking down when their plans don't go uh, correctly and things like that. It's always fun to see those types of characters for me. Huh? Are you? Um, yeah. Wh what do you think of like anime built around that, like Doctor Stone? That, so Senku's a little bit different for me, um, because typically the type of characters I like are very morally like, at least in that trope, they're morally gray. They're not necessarily good people, <laughs> right? Light's not necessarily a good person. Lelouch, you can argue, but, you know, he's morally corrupt in certain aspects, I think. Um, Ayana Koji is emotionally vacant. Yuichi from um, Tomodachi Game is literally evil. Um, so Senku's a little bit different because his intelligence doesn't necessarily come from, like, at least from where I'm at, a strategic point of view, but more from, like, a, you know, scientific knowledge. Um, it's a little bit of a different type of intelligence, if that uh. makes sense. Um, so Senku's cool, but he doesn't fall. He's not cool for that reason. He falls in. Uh, he doesn't fall into that trope for me personally. So like, like really the best example that's just gonna be the most um, well known is just Death Note. Like that's it's just it just falls into that. There are certain series that I think does it better or, or done it more interesting for me. Um, but Death Note is I think a perfect example to use. So uh, I have examples. So would. A person who embodies uh, this preference be somebody like Mayuri Aizen or like Urahara? Uh, yes, they all fall into that. Aizen really? more so Not Urahara. Um, than everybody else. No, no, no. They they do fall into that. Urahara is kind of, but he's less than Mayuri and Aizen. So if I had to rank it based off of like how much they mm -hmm. fit to that trope, it's Aizen, Mayuri, then Urahara. Yeah, really? I'm also surprised. Yeah. Bottom? Well, okay, let me, let me ask this. Why why is it surprising that Urahara is at the bottom? Because to me that's because just Urahara natural. is like he's like not a, exactly well, morally squeaky clean, right? He's just like his his machinations yeah. are when you take a look at it, they're mostly reactionary, but a lot of it is 
kind of his fault. Like, for example, the Hogyoku was like his, like he was the one that's, that was successful with it, not Aizen, right? Like, if he hadn't uh, made it to begin with, then like none of the show would have happened. And Aizen would just be some kind of like really beefy Shinigami that like Kenpachi could fucking take out, let's be real. So mm-hmm. with uh, Urahara, you know, everything that, let's be real. 30% of Bleach is about Urahara's fault. I think that's a good amount of blame to assign yeah. him. It's at, least a, yeah. it's at least a byproduct of yeah. his work. Yeah, I'll definitely but, agree. Yeah, so, yeah. like, it, yeah, and, like, the other half, I'd say, like, not even the other half, like, I'd say another 30% is him trying to fix it. So, <laughs> they're not exactly squeaky clean uh, actions, like putting the Hogeku in, Ro- in Rukia's uh, uh, body, you know? Like, like there's some there's some shady yeah, shit yeah. there. So, like, I, like it's not like Orhar is, like, a tried-and-true good guy. It's just ve- So, like, it's very surprising mm. because he's the most ambiguous of them all, right? Because Mayuri is just kind of a sadist, yep. let's be real, and Aizen's just, like, a monster. Yeah. And, like, even to go back to an earlier claim you made that, like, you have particular gripes with you know the the protagonist being smart but it's only because the plot demands that either those characters be like you know stupid or whatever you you allude to something like that earlier yeah. i feel like there is simply just a lot of cases where that is exactly what happens with eisen where you know it was all according to my plan <laughs> and you know and that's just kind of like kubo's like easy way to explain away like certain stupidities and to kind of like prop up eyes i mean he, more. he did it Whereas again uhara like i feel like everything is much more like much more carefully crafted when it comes to uhara like i feel like everything is much more careful and in control and i feel like there's a much more active effort to have his intellectual successes um privileged over other successes because it is simply the fact that he just outsmarted like another smart guy whereas with eyes and sometimes it's just like yes you are all stupid and i am smart therefore i'm good like it it doesn't have the same force yeah I feel me, me too and with mayuri yeah, so, it's it's like so let me ask this just yeah. to clarify so you both have mayuri above Urahara no, in that no, sense no. then, right? Like, no, 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 it's definitely no, Urahara no, for it. So no. let, let me give my yeah. list, and I think Doofy, it'll be the same one from how this conversation's going. Yes. It's Urahara, Mayori, then Aizen. Whoa, whoa, Aizen's, Aizen's the bottom whoa, hold on, hold on. Okay, say your <laughs> yes, piece, but like... because Aizen's plans, they're, they're set up in a way to not outsmart a person. They're just kind of to get him from point A to point B. And I'll be honest, when he is trying to outsmart or, like, outmaneuver a person, he's not fantastic at it, right? So he creates Wonderwise. Uh, he goes, like, like that's smart, right? Like, to know that he eventually has to make up a contingency for Yamamoto and, like, Kenpachi, for example, that's, like, smart. That's what I put in that category. But his execution of it was still, like, kind of a failure because Wonderwise was basically shreked by Yamamoto's fists, you know? Like, he was only successful insofar as... Like, Yamamoto managed to, like, blunt the force of the uh, impact or whatever. And uh, Urahara's intelligence is, like, next level because he was already... He already had a seal planned for, like, third-form butterfly Aizen. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah like, I agree. Urahara... So, like he, so don't mistake it. Urahara is definitively smarter than Aizen and Mayuri. That's not, like... It's yeah. not, I don't think he's yes. less intelligent. I think what the problem... So let me... I guess I can kind of, like, quantify okay. now that I'm thinking why i think i why i prefer aizen and mayuri right and i think it comes down to like mm-hmm. they're you know they're they're smart high iq like five head uh like quotes or like moments right so like one that sticks out for me for mayuri is like um kind of like the perfection speech right where he's like critiquing um i think it's Sayal Opero 
another scientist on his ideology of like reaching perfection right that moment in particular is Mm -hmm. one that really stands out to me and i think that sort of like that mental like kind of flex where he's not outright i don't know if he ever calls him dumb or not i'd I'd have to reread it specifically but he's basically like the like the very basis of of your like of your i guess your ideals is is faulty right and and that's why you lost here whatever then he admitted then he already has Mm -hmm. a superman drug so that like I don't think Urahara has a moment like that for me, right? Not like a super, but, like, you know, whatever. I think for, like, Aizen as well, he's like, you know, it's pretty it's pretty cliche, but, like, when he was like, since when were you under the impression that Kyoko Suigetsu wasn't active or something like that? Like, something so blatantly yeah. not obvious, per se, but it's such a, I guess, like, high possibility that that realization of, like, holy shit, like, he's, like, like what is this? He's just a, like, mentally domineering type of character, Urahara yes. has that, but he to me he plays more much so much more of a background role that I don't enjoy that as much. I don't get to indulge in in that intelligence as much as I do with like Mayuri and Aizen, at least for me. But I I'll just make a quick comment, and this will be like the most abstract thing you've ever heard in your life. But because like Kisuke presents himself as like a very goofy, aloof kind of man, anytime he says something significant it's a stark contrast in this character and i think that adds a lot more force to what he has to say no i agree with you ronan he doesn't have the same you know backlog of impressive speeches as say eisner mayuri but i think he has some impressive one-liners and this is why i'm saying it's abstract i could not name a single one right now i only have the (laughs) recollection of having those experiences watching bleach so you know take my word with a grain of salt i suppose but whenever Kisuke gets um, serious about something, to me, the force of that, even if it's only a little one line, doesn't have to be a speech, even if it's only a little one line in the background, it has much more force than anything Mayuri's ever said because Mayuri's only playing his own role throughout the course of the series. Urahara is constantly mm-hmm. going back and forth between, oh, I'm the goofy mentor, but I'm also like, oh, I'm really strong. I have a serious thing to say about this matter right now. Um, and I think that's the difference and, for me between at least Mayuri yeah, and, and Urahara. I'm, yeah, and I want to add on to this a little bit because when you take a look at Aizen's master plan for Ichigo, for example, it was technically like Aizen's master plan for Ichigo was technically a part of Urahara's master yeah. plan for Aizen <laughs> because he was the one training Ichigo along like all these paths and he was the one that fucking essentially lets Ichigo being born. He was more responsible for Ichigo's creation than Aizen ever was. Yeah. And Especially when it comes to his development and everything that came after, a lot of it has to do with Urahara. And as for, like, cool one-liners, like you were saying, Doofy, like, one of the moments that gave me, like, chills when I was reading the manga was with Urahara's fight with Askin, and he was like, if you don't have, like, 300 plans just in case, you, you're, like, prepared to die. And it was, like, him... <laughs> yes, yes! Yeah, I was like, you. yeah, Thank you remember you. the one yes, I was talking about? Exactly. Yeah, dude, that was... Yeah, that was crazy, dude. And so bad like, particulars. I'm so glad you had at least one positive thing to cite about Urahara because I had nothing. <laughs> to be fair, though, yeah. I have like Urahara and Eisen are like my top three Bleach characters, and I don't think I have a single yeah. quote from either of them to support like why they would be my favorite. It's more so like a just an overall reaction to Bleach and their character. But I yeah. guess that like, gets more to our second question. But anyways, keep going, keep going. I like this. Yeah, so there's there's a lot of these moments with Urahara when you're like, oh my god, this guy's genuinely terrifying. (laughs) And uh, for example, like Aizen was so close to um, beating, to like achieving what he wanted, right? But he just couldn't comprehend 
and couldn't plan for Ichigo beating him. That just wasn't a thing he considered, right? I see that as a shortcoming because I think if it was Urahara that did the same shit Aizen was doing, A, it'd be infinitely more successful right off the rip, right? And B, Urahara wouldn't be, like, he, he wouldn't, uh, what was it called? Not fall on his sword, but he wouldn't just take the L, you know what I mean? He, he'd be like, it, it's funny because Aizen said something similar, but just in a very inverted way. He was like, uh, only a loser accepts that kind of worldview or philosophy when he was like screaming at Urahara when he was getting sealed, which I, I, I appreciate. But I think if it was Urahara, he wouldn't, he wouldn't just give up after uh, <laughs> Ichigo did that thing where um, he, he beat him. That did that thing where he beat him. What the fuck is wrong with me? <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah. Yeah. So, so, I, so I, I think it's just, I yeah. think it might just be uh, like a fundamental difference. And I guess what I value for that. Okay. So you mentioned like, cause I, I, I knew about the, the Kisuke when he was fighting Askin, right? But I can genuinely count on one hand, probably how many times Urahara is cool. I'm, this isn't like downplaying his character. It's just, I'm comparing like my perspective on his intelligence, or at least the hype I get surrounding his intelligence or just overall superiority in comparison to like a Mayuri and Aizen, and it's hard for me to compare that because like Aizen has this this speech about like how gods are. I'm, I want to see if I can pull it up honestly. Oh, okay. It's like all beings trust the superior. Okay, I'm not even gonna read it out honestly because I can't do it justice. I'm gonna be real with you, but <laughs> it's super dope because like I can I can just think of like so many Aizen lines or quotes or moments that aren't necessarily like from a you know, from a super logical standpoint, more intelligent than Kisuke's, right? You can say, oh yeah, Kisuke is, is a major component in this even happening, or this even coming to pass, right? But I think Aizen is portrayed, not portrayed, because that's wrong too, because Kisuke is literally stated to be smarter than him. Aizen gives me the personal vibe that he's just so much more in control, and so much, like... I don't know. It's really hard because it's it's so much of an emotional thing that it's hard to mm -hmm. like phrase correctly. He just comes off as so domineering and in control that he fits the trope to me better than Kisuke. And that actually, the point you brought up earlier, Doofy, of like mm -hmm. that kind of almost bipolar, um, like uh, side or, or those the, the duality to Kisuke in the sense that he's like goofy one moment and then the super mm -hmm. serious one liner mm -hmm. the next. Well, that may add to to your like uh, kind of impact of his lines. To me, it doesn't take away, but I think Eisen consistently being that type of like character just makes him it just makes him fit that trope better for me. If that makes sense. No, I get that because I feel like in terms of of presence in the story, like Eisen has that in spades. When Eisen's on screen, you know that he's on screen. And I feel like that's a certain quality of a character that you don't have with, say, Urahara, who, even though I love and think is smart and has, like, better, I mean, overall contributions to the plot in certain respects, it's just, like, when Aizen's there, you just know he's there. Yeah. Like, it's it's that it's simple. Demands attention. Exactly. exactly. And, I, and I extend that to both Naruto and Hunter Hunter as well. Same with Orochimaru. Even though there's so many things to, said, to be said against Orochimaru, when... When that motherfucker on screen, you just know he's there. Like, it, he just demands the attention. And same yeah. with Hisoka, right? Uh -huh. And Hunter Hunter. Like, just there's something yes, so drawing and alluring about that kind of archetype that you can't help but to look at him and give him the attention that they deserve. And they play their own roles perfectly. And there's nothing wrong with that. I just wanted to, like, my thing with Kisuke, of course, is that 
the way that he kind of, again, is kind of the aloof character 90% of the time, to me, the fact that he has to go, you know, serious mode at any point is just a kind of emphasis of how serious the, the, the current moment is. And I think in those instances, he has more presence than even Eisen would have. But of course, you know, given his overall character, that's not the kind of like the commonplace usage of Kisuke. Yeah. So that's not exactly how he's normally presented. And so I think overall, Eisen has more of this presence, and I can see why you would put him in that trope more than him. It's Mayuri that's given more difficulty because okay, so, so let's Mayuri is just like a watered down like Eisen and Kisuke. Okay, so here's here's what Mayuri has that I think Kisuke doesn't portray. As I think it's that, because part of it is not just them being smart, right? Part of it is that, like, is it sadistic? No, it's that toying with other people, I think. So, like, light mentally mm. manipulating other people is, like... Now, this sounds twisted. Just so you guys know, this doesn't, for the viewers, this isn't, like, <laughs> something I actually believe in real life, obviously, because it's going to sound weird. But light mentally just manipulating and breaking the people around him is just so cool for for some reason just him like completely like uh you guys know the scene have both of you guys watched death note i'd assume so uh yeah, okay, I, was, okay, I was waiting for cream's response yeah i was kind of even bro, you insulted like, that you had to ask me I, that bro. listen listen but, like, i just had to make yeah, sure because yeah like I like to make sure your question shocked me Creams, you haven't watched naruto in its entirety so like that's like to me that's just as basic as like death note i just wanted to yeah. make sure yeah. Real, um. Bro, the difference is like 6,000 episodes. <laughs> Calm down. Yeah, fair, fair enough. True. True. Um, I'll give you that, Creams, baby. But there's this scene where Light meets up with the, that like cop chick or whatever, right? I can't remember her name. I haven't read Death Note in a bit. Um, yeah. But she's basically um, like on the verge of telling L this super important detail that Light can, can, or Kira can sometimes kill without a heart attack, right? Mm-hmm. So Light having to figure out and like, it, like almost almost losing the mental battle because he, he's given an alias or whatever that whole encounter of like light just breaking her down and like slowly uh manipulating her into giving him what he wants like information wise is just such a cool thing to me like it's super cool to see that right and it happens with most characters that fit in that trope have at least one moment like that and urahara is very intelligent smarter than mayuri in almost every facet but what he doesn't do because of like I guess his moral compass is whatever, is to me mentally manipulate and like twist the enemies that he goes against, right? Mayuri has the whole um, perfection speech where Sylopro was like under the, he's like, whatever, like I can't, you know, everything is slowed down, blah, blah, blah. And Mayuri's speech of like kind of like owning that superiority to him is something that I very much enjoy. Um, Mayuri's encounter with Zombie Toshiro, where he, he looks to have the, he looks to be at a disadvantage until it's like, you know, you know, plot twist. Toshiro's already been drugged since the beginning of the fight, blah, blah, blah. Like, those moments of, like, complete, like, mental reversals are just super cool to me. And Urahara, while he has, like, that intelligence, I can't think of... Personally, I can't think of a time where he is, like, mentally deconstructed or broken down enemy or friend in that way. He's lied, he's been sneaky, he's been somewhat manipulative. But I find a, I find a maybe arbitrary difference between what he does and what uh, like a character like Aizen or Mayuri does. Now, real quick, okay, mm-hmm. Creams might have something more explicit to respond to this, but I feel <laughs> like this 
really nicely leads into like the next interpretation of the question regarding philosophy okay. is about how we go about anime and manga because here you're very clearly espousing a kind of like this is my definition beforehand of how this character should be and mm. how well they're able to fit that will determine your you know ranking of them to a certain extent and so I just feel like you can have a complete opposite perspective where you don't have any preconceived notions of how a character should be and you kind of just evaluate them as such. So that's kind of difference in philosophies about going about anime. And that's a completely different question than what we were previously tackling. I just thought that this would be a nice way to transition into. But if Creams, if you have anything you'd like to drag on farther about the previous discussion, you know, by the way, we also have a whole Bleach collaboration happening in the future so keep that in mind but um like do you have anything you really need to say to broken rogan on this point right now no because uh i guess we were trying to further understand how he thinks about uh the philosophy he explained was like his preference yeah. it wasn't really so much trying to convince him that he was right exactly and that's why i feel <laughs> like just we need to just kind of stop yeah. it yeah, so we can, I guess we can transition into the second one, which is, like you said, like, how do we go about, like, evaluating it and things like that? Yeah, exactly. Are we now getting into Doofy's interpretation of the Absolutely. prompt? Absolutely. Okay, sounds good. All right, remind me. So, essentially, I, I interpreted the prompt as, like, what is your philosophy when it comes to approaching an anime? Like, how do you evaluate it, essentially? Um, what principles do you bring to the anime? What do you use in your evaluation of it? And, I guess, related questions to that. Um, and creams, as always, you know, go first. What do you have to say on the issue? Oh, I thought you were, I thought you were going to go Should first I? to because uh, it was yeah, because it was your interpretation. So I wanted to use you as like less. how to answer. Well, for one, yeah. and maybe this is something you can both talk about. I explicitly reject the ideas of any like kind of like rubrics for evaluating anime. I think it's so mind-numbing when you have like your ten criteria in front of you, and you're gonna go watch an anime. And you're gonna make sure like okay, this checks off this box, and this box, and this box. Oh, I missed this box. That's such a robotic way to approach an anime, and of course, I don't expect this experience to be universal. But for a lot of people who have graded papers, for example. <laughs> if you use a rubric, you will come out with a certain score, yet there's a kind of disparity between the score the rubric yields and how you just intuitively felt about it. And to me, the rubric is almost misleading because at many points in the anime, you can ask yourself, but why is this the criteria we're using to evaluate this particular scene? Like, this doesn't seem adequate given you know the fact that this is a scene that's supposed to subvert expectations and therefore it's supposed to actually let you down here. And so the fact that it reflects poorly on evaluation i don't think is a function of the fact that the anime is bad i think it's a reflection of the fact that your criteria on are bad but i think ultimately this is all situated in the fact that using any rubric is bad because any scene is you know contextualized in i mean it sounds stupid but like the greater scene that it's situated within the greater arc so if a scene is expected to subvert certain expectations using a rubric you might of course think that this is bad because it's not doing the things that it's expected to do but in terms of how it progresses the plot it's very functional it's practical even and there isn't a better way to go about transitioning this arc into another and so i just think that for instance using rubrics is very shallow it doesn't ever really capture the essence of how you think of an anime but rather what i vouch for is a kind of into like a intuitionalistism that's a whole lot of fucking <laughs> syllables. But ultimately, like, 
when you finish an anime, you simply just have some semblance of how it falls on your 10-point scale. After watching Code Geass, I just kind of knew, like, it was a 7. There's no mathematical formula that was telling me why it was a 7. I don't have, like, this explicit rubric. But I feel like doing it this way is more accurate to how I feel about it. And so I guess ultimately the way I feel and rank anime is much more dependent upon, I guess, my own individual feelings. And, I mean, those criteria I think are valuable. But ultimately I don't have you know, 10 steps to having a good anime in front of me. I, I, I simply watch it. I like it or I don't, basically. And then I just say, well, how much do I like it? And then I might think a little more about it. I might say, okay, I like this anime, but how much? Okay, here's Angel Beats. It gives us an 8.5. Um, does this anime do this better? Um, no. Does this anime do this thing better? Mm, yes. And then that's kind of the process I go about, you know, when determining the difference between an 8.5 and an 8.6. But ultimately, I'm situating things, you know, on the 10-point scale on the basis of like, okay, I watched this. This was fucking awesome. Nine. And I only bring this up because I think that we have a lot to discuss here. Because you were like, Ronan, you're giving these all these chapters a 10. But at the same time, I'm like, if bro just was thinking that these chapters were a 10, then like it was, it was a 10. Like, I don't know. Like, there's not a whole lot more to like really <laughs> say on that issue. Like, it's just kind of how bro was feeling at that time. Um, but anyway, I think that generally <laughs> outlines how I feel about evaluation, my philosophy about evaluating. Um, my particular point was just against any kind of rubric. So I hate those reviews that are like, let's now look at this anime in terms of like, you know, story, art, characters, and overall. I just think that's a shallow way to look at an anime and like no anime is meant to be looked at in that way, uh, which I think is very problematic on behalf of the reviewer. But please. I rambled on for very long saying nothing. Uh, no, I think that was extremely I interesting, think, personally. I think, yes, yeah, so do I, but I think you're absolutely wrong. Here's why. I don't think that uh, there is no objectivity in how we uh, rate stuff, because when you get down to it, the person watching a review of something or the person absorbing the art, I'm talking about like the most like, normal common denominator consumer you can think of. They're going to understand predetermined uh, structures of how we measure quality. So they're going to be like, well, uh, I'm looking for if it has a good plot. I'm looking for if no, it no, has no, good no, characters, no, no. whatever. Prince, hold no, no, on, hold on, I got to come hold right on, here. Hold. You've already said so many wrong right. things that I need to interject right now. Okay. So you've oh my already God. said that like, okay, the, the average you already has an understanding of like, what's a good story? What's a good character? And therefore. No, no, that's not what I was getting. I was trying to say that's what they're no, they're look. This is purely for them looking for at like reviews at something because like that's when we really get down to it. I'm not talking about like them organically assessing art. I'm talking about them engaging with somebody else's rating of assessing art because I wanted to like touch on your ten scale criticism thing. Okay, okay. Keep Uh, saying your piece, but as I interpreted you, I thought you were saying okay, just so we can make sure that you're clear on what exactly I was apparently misinterpreting. Uh I thought you were saying that like okay, people have an understanding of what a good story or character consists in because they've watched no, no, so much this is, and therefore they're looking no. for that and so when they don't know and like, so like essentially what you're advocating for is the no. kind of criterionist view whereby we not, watch anime not, according to criteria which i don't think is the case at all no but like again this, this, I, this, this I is a misinterpretation according to you and and so please continue it's okay i accept your apology anyway what i was trying to say was that uh these people have people have just generally been told that that's like what makes a good thing in in art and it's like 
uh, sh- shit like the three-act structure, uh, the perfect ratio in photography, for example, right? The, the golden ratio, I think it's called. Um, there's, like, shit like that where uh, if somebody even has, like, a passing understanding of any of the, like, measurements that we just arbitrarily use to explain why something is good or whatever, like, they don't ins- they don't see it as, like, this purely subjective thing, even if, you know, subconsciously they, they might or whatever. What they probably see it as is something closer to... Uh, how you measure length no you know, no, like, no 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 i'm i'm still not no but you're just saying so many wrong things right now and you're leading the audience in a certain way that i think is just so misleading i, I literally like, bro, I, I literally i haven't i haven't even made my i know yet. that's the problematic thing because i could see exactly like how these steps are going towards a very problematic conclusion that i have that i will later have to do so much unpacking and so much de-arguing that okay it's just you, problematic. you want to just get you want to just skip ahead? Go ahead. D- debunk it. Okay. Just I'm let, gonna, it, let it start automatically. Yeah. Okay. Go on okay. Go on. You going ahead? Did you? No, you, I feel like you had something to say real quick. I, I was just going to say that, like, I feel like since I'm going last, I could kind of, we could kind of bounce back and forth on that too. But when I cover my sort of a version or I answer to this version of the question, um, I, I think I want to address both things that you guys said. So I think that kind of, it could lead nicely into it. So we'll let him. I feel like letting him do his thing, say what he wants, and then we can kind of discuss it. You can use some of my portion of the answer to discuss what he says, if you want to do that. You've almost kind of said that, like, initially I said, okay, what you are saying is that people just have an idea of what is good regarding characters and story. And you said, no, that's what I'm saying. And then you went on to explain something else that I think functionally says the exact same thing like people people just have an idea of what is a good story what is a good character is this not what you're saying right now no, no i'm saying they've been told that that's what it is hey what is what is the, what is the, the significance of being told what, yeah, here what is the relevance of that because functionally i feel like you're trying to say when the same when both you ways i guess but like the point i'm trying to it's not my claim it, it's not something how do i because it's not that i believe it I just see it as like happening so when it comes to people I don't know if the average person <clears throat> who doesn't like live on the internet uh, rates things like out of ten or like in tier lists or whatever. They they might without knowing that that's what they're doing, but I don't think it's that rigid. So I think that's like an online internet thing. First off, second, when people are like trying to explain why they like a thing, they usually fall back on on like one of these aspects. So like, oh, I like the characters. I like how it looks. I don't know. I just think it's good. Something along those lines. It's not. It, it's not necessarily the same, but it's functionally the same as somebody giving a ten rating because it's just two people giving their opinions, right? The only difference is that the person uh, who's giving their opinion, like online, on like a ten rating, is doing so in a way that's presented as more objective. Even if they preface it as not, like if they're like deliberately, this is my opinion. This is just how I'm delivering the information. The person is kind of then primed to accept it, even even along those lines, as objective because numbers are inherently they have some kind of inherent objective objectivity to them. So that's the the point I'm trying to make is it, it's not something to completely invalidate because like to just how normal people get to explaining why they like a thing. But the the methodology might be different. I grant you, but like but they still kind of always revert to the same is thing. Is that yeah, but like, because you're only dealing with other people, dude. I, like, I'm, 
that, that this this is like the shit that always gets on my nerves. You're only dealing with other human beings on a day to day basis. Getting this theoretical makes no sense no, because they're going to look at you like you're, you're a psychopath. You're trying to undermine like the fact that everything we do in theoretical life. No, you're trying to undermine the fact that everything we do in practical life has some kind of theoretical basis. You're trying to say that because we're trying to abstract to the level of what is actually the grounding and moving principle of each of our actions and evaluation. Therefore, this is more abstract and not valuable. I feel like that's such like a a non-argument because like even if i am not actively thinking about how i'm evaluating things the fact remains there is some actual principle moving me in regards to how i evaluate something and this is true literally of every human being on earth so the fact that i'm trying to explicit or make explicit what exactly is going on when every person looks at an anime i don't think that makes it less valuable i'm just trying to dig out what is actually going on in my opinion this is the most concrete thing you can do on this platform because honestly otherwise you're just kind of doing nothing but submitting to the kind of popularity of some criterion or like some anime which has no inherent value to me but rather i'm, I'm trying to look at what exactly is moving us when we have these discussions and you're trying to like devalue with that. And that's, I don't know, that's so reductionist. I'm not. I'm I'm well, saying that you? that thing that you're trying to, I'm trying, I'm saying that that thing you're trying to find, it's almost, if it's so common in humans, doesn't that mean it's, there's some kind of biological objectivity to no, it? No, absolutely not. No. Because listen, um, okay. you're talking, on, we're talking I wanna, about. I want to interject real quick here. Um, okay, Ronan. There, there, okay, Ronan. Yeah, real, real quick, real quick. There are, oh, so Kareem, just to, just to give you like a more concrete analogy, there are plenty of like very dumb ideologies or ideas that people have that are that like are just rooted in things that you can kind of provably show to be incorrect or that you can argue from like a morality standpoint are incorrect there are millions of people who believe idiotic things like you're what you're doing is you're appealing to popularity right you're saying because because a a lot of people think this therefore there is some truth to it or that those things don't correlate whatsoever right a lot of people thinking something or believing something does not lead to it being true, right? There's maybe some underlying okay. reason that they think it is true, but if, you know, 7 billion people think that One Piece is better because it has a thousand chapters, right? That does not make that statement true. It just makes it popular. So what, so what I'm saying okay. is the, the, like the, the basis of the argument is faulty because you're appealing to popularity and asserting that that popularity equates to some level of truth. All right, shit. You guys like uh, fuck. I I concede. Damn. I have one more. I have. But I just add like this single other comment. Um, Prems, you're kind of like touching on this distinction between like what we know of versus what is the fact. So like, there is a fact about how exactly we go about evaluating anime. I, I don't think anybody would concede otherwise. Like, there's simply a certain pattern that we do individually watch an anime and evaluate it according to but the the mi- the meaningful distinction here is what we know of so even though all of us you know kind of follow how exactly we should evaluate an anime we don't all know that we're following it 99% of us don't and that's the kind of what I'm trying to uncover. I'm trying to uncover the fact of evaluation, not so much what we know of. So like yes, you're absolutely right. Your average human being is not going to know that, you know, you know, values are inherently subjective uh and the way that we evaluate anime is according to like these subjective criteria and that are determined by the community. Well, like yeah, absolutely. Most humans don't know that. 
but the fact remains that there is something underlying it objectively that can be excavated. And that's exactly what I think this analysis is trying to do. And I, I, again, I just think this is more concrete than anything else you can discuss with regards to evaluation. But it, you just said that that thing you're essentially trying to find is objective, no? Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a difference between aesthetic objectivity and epistemological objectivity. So do you... So do you believe in like true objectivity then yeah. you just haven't found it yet? Is that like what you're getting like what at? We can know. Yeah, we can. I mean, again, this is in my opinion. Okay. So you might try to condition this with some kind of ultimate solipsism and that kind of subjectivity that comes with it. You might try to say that any claims to truth values are, you know, subjective. Sure. Have your thing. But at the end of the day, for practical purposes, I do think that there are certain things that we can just know objectively. And I think the way we evaluate things is one of those things. The status of values as subjective, I think is objective. So the fact that good and bad are only determined subjectively. I think that fact is objective. Likewise, I think that the way we observe and evaluate anime using those objective or those blah, 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 those subjective values is objective. Like it's not saying that Berserk is objectively good, but it's saying, you know, Broken Ronin objectively read Berserk. Broken Ronin objectively ascribed the value of good to it. Therefore, Broken Ronin thinks it's good. That's all objective. There's nothing subjective there in the way I framed it. Now, if we were to look, for, look okay. at it from like Ronin's perspective, okay, the value of good, subjective. The fact that I'm ascribing it to Berserk, subjective. And ultimately, my thoughts on Berserk, subjective. So there's two different frames of reference we can look at the issue from. And that's the distinction that needs to be kept in mind here. So again, epistemically, when it comes to things that we think we can know, theories of thought, theories of knowing, theories of knowledge, I think there's objectivity there. However, the moment the values of good and bad come into the picture, I think those are objectively subjective. Do with that what you will, but I, I think I've, uh, I've described that in at least comprehensible terms that I think we have a discussion yeah. about. Okay, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, okay. It's a lot to... I mean, I think I agree for the most part, honestly. So basically, just to just to reword it in a little bit of a simpler way for myself, honestly, basically you agree that like things of like, okay, Naruto does exist. That's a, that is an objectively true statement. Naruto has 700 chapters, objectively true. But those 700 chapters are bad, objectively a subjective claim, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. Got you. I just wanted to make sure I was, I was tracking everything. So, like, I, yeah, no, go. Okay, basically, here's the question. Do you think that there is this, like, objective metric, right, that you follow or that people need to, not necessarily need to follow, but that you personally follow when grading AMA? Like, if it checks off this box, this box, this box, it is good. And that is something that is not rooted in subjectivity, but it is something that is the case, like, outside of your own head i can answer your question with a statement okay. and you can d derive my philosophy from that i think subjectively demon slayer is a six out of ten but i think it's objectively an eight out of ten okay and, and would you say that, like that's your piece on the like the like that that i guess the second interpretation of the philosophical question if you will yeah okay just if, if you guys want me to elaborate further on that point, it I don't know. It, you get no, never mind. It just it'll end up with I, me making generalizations and we'll end up talking in circles. So yeah, I, I just want to move on. Could I could I just perhaps I think, I, I think 
a possible interpretation as what you mean. Okay. okay. So you said, um, repeat the statement real quick. I just don't want to make sure like I'm misquoting you on this. I subject. This is a real opinion, by the way. I yeah, subject. Yeah, yeah. I subjectively think Demon Slayer is a 5 out of 10, but it's objectively an 8 out of 10. Are you saying with that, that you think Demon Slayer is, you know, you personally, all things considered, think Demon Slayer is whatever, but you could see how others would rank it higher on the basis of certain criteria that others value, such as, I don't know, certain plot points and, and certain characterization points. Yes, and, and certain characterization. yes that, that is literally... That's yes, exactly your claim? Okay. It's like, yeah, I mean... There's nothing I could contest against that. Like, that's simply what you think about yourself and what you think about others. Like, there's... Yeah. Yeah. It's subjective through and through. You're using, you're using objective there just to kind of like call upon the popular opinion, which again is not subjective, but like, I mean, for practical purposes, you know, we'll, we'll just say like, whatever. It's what you mean by objective. But dude, you and I have had this conversation. Like, you know, that's how I use objective. I, I even said it to you like that. I was like, yo, this is how I use the word objective. I know. Yeah, and I, I told you that I think it's problematic and like I think it creates more trouble than it does pleasure. But I mean, you know, that's just how we be sometimes. I like creating a bit of animosity. So, I mean, I can't even charge you with being... Uh, I can't even charge your claim with producing unnecessary harm when I actively do the same uh, for other reasons. So it's like, it'd be hypocritical. Um, so, I mean, it, it is what it is. I, I, th- I still think you're misusing the term. I still think that this usage of the term is more harmful than not but i think all things considered like that's just how you be using it and it, it's fine as is yeah so my my whole yeah my my version of it is pretty simple um like uh, like when it comes to ranking what i like is good what i don't like is bad like okay so i'm gonna extrapolate on that but i mean that so seriously if i don't enjoy yeah extra barring extenuating circumstances like i don't i wouldn't see i like evangelion but I like Whoa. Evangelion, if that makes sense. Like, I don't, I did not enjoy the process of watching that anime, right? But mm-hmm. I will say I value it, not because I think it, there's some, like, you know, other people do, the, you know, they hold it in high regard. I value it because it was valuable to, for me and in my own introspection. But that is, like, one of the only examples I can think of of an anime that I didn't enjoy, but that I value outside of enjoyment. Like, I think it was yep. important for me rather than, like, a, like, it's good, but it's it's not good from like for my enjoyment. It was it was just important yeah. for my own personal development. That that's a, that's an extenuating circumstance. Most of the time, if I have fun reading it or enjoy it, it is good, right? And how I'll kind of go deeper into that is, you know, if I enjoy something enough, I will then proceed to analyze why I think it's good. So like when I say something like, mm-hmm. you know, oh, uh, you know, Megami's character arc or whatever, like this, this like you know, the symbolism of blah, 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 the parallels between him and Tsukuna, whatever you want to say, right? Or, or Sasuke, I'm like, wow, he's just such a deep character. The re- it's Sasuke isn't good because he's deep, right? He's good because I like him. And I'm I'm now, like, furthering, like, okay, so why do I like his character? Like, the, these, like, character development's good, symbolism's good, blah, blah, blah. Those, on, those things, to me at least, only matter because they determine, or at least help determine my enjoyment yeah um you know sasuke's growth over the the span of naruto is good because i enjoyed it right and then for the sake of other people and for the sake of articulation i will then explain okay for other because i can just think he's good and that won't get my point across to other people so i'll explain why i think he's good um 
you know, but whether or not people say, oh, that doesn't make him good, you're wrong, it does. And I'll leave it at that, at, to some extent, right? Um, that's why I think something like Grand Blue, which is a comedy manga, is a 10 out of 10, simply because it is extremely fun to read. That's it. It's funny, and I, ha like, I had the most fun I've had reading a manga in a while when I was binging that. Therefore, it's better than JJK, it's better than My Hero. It's the best ongoing series for me right now. Hmm. Purely because I can't tell you, oh, the thematic... What blah 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 the the character development I don't really I don't really I've been dove into why I like Grand Blue it's funny that's basically where I've gotten so far and it's good because I like it that it's super simple but that's that's it for me that's basically yeah. where I leave it I I think actually that's just a more elegant way to say what I've said um god damn i'm jealous from it man like you were able to like just cut to like the the core of it and i feel like i just word soup my way around like a half-assed theory but like you really like i absolutely agree like ultimately what you read and simply enjoy is what you think is good like it's it's that bare bones i think i don't think you owe anyone an explanation as to why you think this is good like i don't expect anyone who has like Fate Zero is their favorite anime. I don't expect you to have a, a, a whole essay ready to defend why it's your number one spot. I just expect you to be able to say like, I watched twelve episodes or I guess twenty four. It's a two season thing, um, and like I enjoyed every second of it. Therefore, my favorite. I'm like, okay, cool, fair enough. I have nothing more to say critically because I don't. I don't ex like. I don't think anime manga like is a necessarily critical medium. It's it's entertainment by definition, and so just fulfilling that basic requirement of being entertaining that alone is sufficient to merit a 10 for me regardless of any anything like now you might find and derive pleasure from finding these deep themes in naruto or hunter or hunter and that's fine like and that's exactly. totally like up to you and like if that's how you drive your like if that's the difference between hunter hunter being a nine and a ten like the fact that you were able to do that then like absolutely like you do it but ultimately like it's comes down to your entertainment at some level and that's, I mean, again, just why I maintain that it's objective and that, like, you don't owe anyone an explanation as to why you like someone or something, I guess. Yeah. I think that probably helps, like, kind of extrapolate on my point because I think that I, this speaks to it really well. I enjoy the process of figuring out why I liked it, if that makes sense. So, like, yes. liking Sasuke and then delving into, okay oh, wow, this was super cool, and that makes me appreciate his character even more. And then it's like this positive feedback loop of, you know, wow, you know, really great character. Oh, wow, this is something I didn't notice on my first watch. I like him even more, and then, you know, I'll continue to do that. And it also works for the flip side. If mm -hmm. I look at something in a negative light, like, um, what's something I don't like? Um, Hitman Reborn, right? I mm -hmm. read the first hundred chapters of that. Oh, my God. Um, yeah. That was shit. Yeah. Um, and I will, I will, and if somebody asks me and they ask me for justification outside of the fact that it was just bad, I'll, the negative, the already negative emotions I have towards it caused me to now find faults in it that I wouldn't necessarily find in other series. Yeah. Um, even if they, even if they are present, like there are certain things that are simply passable because it's Naruto or because it's Bleach or because it's JJK. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And like with with your case of Evangelion, where you don't you did not personally enjoy your going through of it, but you still have some kind of value for it. I don't think that's all that odd because I mean, my first you know viewing of Evangelion was actually quite critical. I thought that it was like kind of lame. I thought it was very generic and stereotypical. I thought that a lot of what it did was like uninspired. But 
after rewatching it again and like thinking more about it, like the fun I got out of it was more so derived from me watching like these fucking 10 hour video essays on like the world of Ava. And that was where I found my pleasure. And so like I could take that knowledge and turn it back to Evangelion for like the third time and just say, oh my God, this is like why it's so good. But like, yeah, in that initial viewing, shit was not that great. And so if somebody says Ava's bad, I'm like, yeah, I get it. Somebody says Ava's good, like, yeah, I, I super get it. <laughs> and so like, I personally fall on the latter scale, but like, I feel like the argument you've said has done like more than say like, okay, my initial viewing wasn't amazing. But I can kind of see how like other people might think this is good. Again, just again, appeal to kind of common criteria. But this is always an afterthought or reflection, in de- like totally independent of how you actually viewed it the first time. And that's why I think I ultimately follow through with your, like, if it's good, it's good. If it's bad, it's bad. Because whatever you simply intuitively feel at a moment with regards to some anime, I think that holds more than any reflective judgment. So I just think that Hunter x Hunter is bad. I don't need to think more about it than that. I didn't enjoy watching it. Like, that's it. Now that can drive, like you said, I think very nicely you said that that drives you to find reasons, which I think is true. But I feel like the most intimate expression of your thoughts of a series are in that most basic level of like, I watched it bad. And that's it, I guess. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Uh, so I think that that's everybody for the second interpretation that just leaves uh, yours, uh, BR. Yeah. So third interpretation the third interpretation for everybody that might have gotten uh lost in the weeds there or maybe just didn't remember is basically like the way i, I saw the question is like like what is your favorite um so i'm kind of misconstruing or like kind of swapping out ideology and philosophy simply because i'm not smart enough to know the difference i don't really know like what the functional difference is between the two like i could list off both definitions but that doesn't really help me like know what the difference is so basically like favorite ideology um or philosophy that an anime character holds um not certainly one that you believe in obviously because anime is a lot of times sensationalized and, and doesn't like allow for somewhat more like central placements in that uh but that are just interesting to you or um kind of like engaging for me um i'll say i don't know like a specific term for it but i would say like lelouch's kind of uh ideal uh, on, really on on everything he approached uh one thing that like one quote that sticks out to me quite a bit just like every time i think of the character um if if you know if strength is righteousness then is weakness a sin right now I, I may be paraphrasing that a little bit um but it's always kind of stuck with me especially with how it's kind of um portrayed in code Geass of Lelouch being like this uh, sort of bona fide defender of the weak um i will say a lot of my enjoyment for his character does directly stem from the fact that i like the trope he fulfills um so part of it is probably going to be tinted um through that that vision but i just like overall i i guess utilitarian like his willingness to sacrifice himself and others for his goal is always something that i found like a, a somewhat interesting moral dilemma and one that i've like mentally participated in myself to see like okay what do I think, like, what is my, um, like, what am I taking away from seeing this outside of just, like, we kind of were alluding to earlier, pure enjoyment. What is the, that second or third layer that I'm getting, right? Okay, so, like, obviously he's, he, he thinks he can sacrifice other people. Um, 
you know, what what do I think, right? You you know, there's like common, I think, philosophical uh, little exercises, super basic ones where it's like, you know, to save five people, are you willing to push one onto the train tracks or something like that? Paraphrasing once again. Um, and I just like kind of doing those little, those little mental, I guess, questions for myself. It just helps with a little bit of introspection that I like doing. Um, but that's mine, personally. Uh you, can you go next, Doofy? I like need some time to think about this. <laughs> it's difficult. Like I, I, you know, I see what you're saying because the first thing that comes to mind is not even an active philosophy held by any particular character in the series, but is one that's like heavily implied by the author writing it. And so I'm thinking here of Arigato by uh, Naoki Yamamoto, um, very disturbing manga. I don't recommend anybody read it because <laughs> I think there's just so much potency in like the first four chapters that would scare anybody off but what i like about the series is that each character is kind of crafted with a very clear ideology regarding like one self-image regarding uh not regarding but like with respect to the public and so the father for example uh in instance does a great job well great relative to like his ability to perform his function but not necessarily morally great um just hiding what's going on with his family from the public from his employer from his employees um, and his co-workers and so his whole like the driving force of the father's character is that he does not want anyone to know that his daughter has you know been raped um that's the driving force of the story but i think the ultimate morality that the mangaka is trying to pronounce here is that when you try to sacrifice your, you know, your your role in private life for the sake of some public image, there are much more negative consequences, and that's why the daughter gets involved with like some, I guess, pimp and you know, this whole series of um, events that I think the father tries his best to hide, but ultimately because he's trying to hide it, it only further perpetuates the daughter's involvement in these other things because again it's just a, a constant dialectic between the father's controllingness and the and the daughter's just i want to be free do my own thing you're handling poorly it's just back and forth constantly and it expresses in different ways and so the active ideology in all of this is that the mangaka wants to express that when you sacrifice personal life for the sake of public image you have dire results that's an ideology i can respect from the mangaka now, there's no one particular character in the manga that I think perfectly expresses that, but I think it's kind of implied by the actions of everybody within that we get that perspective. So I don't know if this exactly answered the question, but that, that would be the first mangaka and manga I point to in terms of just some ideology and its representation. In this case, it's a negative representation in the sense that like it's it's simply what's not being expressed that we get the positive philosophy, but that's probably my answer i don't know if that's just like too outside of what the question is i don't know if that's just too abstract i don't know if i'm relying on too much knowledge of the story without having actually explained it um but please if you have anything to say uh i, I invite it personally i think it applies i think okay. it applies like because it's a it's a philosophy because it it never says it has to be of a character i just apply it to a character because he embodies that philosophy for me very strongly i think of an anime or manga obviously but okay. i think it it applies pretty strongly um yeah so, yeah honestly I, my only yeah, reason for I agree framing it my only reason for framing it in that negative sense is because i feel like whenever you just focus on like a particular speech of a character 
identify it as a part of some other philosophy than generalize the whole character. It's essentially, well, it's essentialism. You're saying that, you know, pain exhibits some kind of uh, tendency towards like the sharing of pain amongst all. Maybe there's some strange argument to be had about pain being a socialist. And then like you, you simply interpret everything he does in light of that interpretation, which is how humans naturally function. And I guess that's fine in that basic sense. But it can just be so reductive because it kind of undermines the parts of, for instance, pain that might be counter to that. And that would might spark an interesting discussion about like how pain might be like anti-socialist. I know this is such a weird abstract political interpretation that I don't necessarily think holds. But again, just by essentializing any character, you undermine the possibility of them going against that and having a more interesting conversation. And so that's why I'm hesitant to just simply endorsing the explicit philosophy of any character, because I feel like that might undermine things they have to say in opposition to that. Cause you'll just try to interpret it away in other ways that would be less productive in my opinion. So that's why I yeah. kind of go for the implied philosophy of a whole series because there's nothing, okay. it's not essentialist to any character. And I think it just, uh, it builds on what everyone else is already doing. So. Okay. That, that makes a lot of sense. I will say I was being very reductionist uh, when it comes to like because part of his like um, character arc is being a very blatant hypocrite um, mm. in his like in his ideologies or whatever. Very easily able to sacrifice others in order to to move forward his goal. But when it comes to the people around him, that utilitarian ideal just crumbles. Um, and you know, obviously. I, I said utilitarianism, whatever, blah, 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 just because I, I like the way he portrays it. But I think more, like, most well-written characters, quote-unquote, most good characters are multidimensional. They aren't just talking pieces for, like, this one idea. Um, and I think that's, like you said, part of the, like, beauty of discussing these characters because if they were simply this and this had to be the case, it, the discussion couldn't really be had. It would just be... An observation of yes lelouch is this this is what he represents and i don't think personally i'm gonna be honest i don't think like an anime character just being a philosophical talking piece is that interesting yes sir i always think it's a portrayal of that oh um, man just them representing it dude what an astute observation because that is i feel the biggest issue with any content creator doing anime related content in their dire attempt to make some quote-unquote deep analysis of some character they will result to nothing more than character x exhibits this philosophy and that oh my god i've been so critical of this for like months now like for instance on tiktok i said that levi wasn't a well-developed rounded character and i was instantly met with floods of fucking comments that said well, actually, he embodies the principles of Stoicism, therefore he's good. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. hold it up, bro. I honestly, like, no, yeah. go. I honestly, take take fault with. So here's the thing: when people like start asserting, "Oh, this character develops, or they they have symbolism, or you know, whatever." I honestly can tell, like, what type of discussion I'm about to have if I decide to engage with them in the first place, based mm -hmm. off of that. So, like, yep. I had this tweet. Where I was like, yeah, Noel is in fact good. Hey guys, 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 we're getting like uh off topic. It, it like I want to transition into this because I wanted to ask you a few about the whole uh problem with Annie Tube thing. So I just want to give my uh thoughts on Ronan's interpretation, then we can segue. All right, 
Uh, bro, I just realized I haven't like spoken in, oh my god, like 10, 15 minutes. <laughs> it was a fun conversation to listen to, though. Sure, for sure. So what? <laughs> so what is you? What would you say? Because I personally, I was just trying to give you some time. I didn't know if you would come up with yours yet. But um, so what is your like favorite philosophy in anime then? Well, I don't know. See, the thing is, when I heard, uh, like, as I heard you and Doofy dissecting everything, I kind of agree with him uh, in that when you ascribe uh, characters, uh, ascribe certain themes to a character, and you, you present them as, like, not set in stone, but you don't allow room for discussion or alternative it, uh, uh, interpretations of them, you get a you get a sense that it's like the end, <laughs> like 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 no discussion. So, I guess like if I had to come at it from a purely uh, subjective, like this is what works for me. Um, I just really like when a character is um revolutionary in some way. So uh, yeah, I say character, but this could apply to story as well. But just just for the sake of uh. An example, uh, like for example, like uh, Eisen's desire to not be controlled by anyone is something I really resonate with because I'm not, I'm not sure about you guys, but I don't like when people t control me. Uh, and when it comes to things like uh, trying to b uh, defy the status quo of like a government or something, like uh, surprisingly, like Asta, like he's a very revolutionary character if you think about it. Well, not really because he kind of still wants to work in the system that's like can it's it's a little complicated his is more of a <clears throat> like a i want to change it from within kind of person not necessarily i want to overhaul the whole thing because it's not like if asta becomes a wizard king like everything else like class systems won't still exist whatever but that's like a personal bone to pick with black clover not necessarily a, a philosophy beef but uh yeah i i guess i just don't like uh rigid structure or like rigid hierarchies unless they serve a purpose uh narratively but if we're just speaking philosophically purely i like uh revolution and uh resistance as an as a philosophy and in, in art i consume i think that we can hopefully say we accurately answer the question at least one of these times <laughs> like, like like one one of these had to have hit Imagine like no guys, that that's not what I meant. Like that would be be quite like, the uh, yeah. Like we we, we, we covered every, every day. If we didn't if we didn't cover it, we'll have to do exactly what they meant exactly. next time. Exactly. Of course. Um, you, you said you wanted to transition into yeah. Like, so Doofy, that Doofy said earlier. I saw this thing on your Twitter that was like uh, your bone to pick with AniTube or something. What's what's going on over there, bro? You're trying to like get me to spoil a whole ass video on the podcast? What the fuck? Don't think of it as a spoiler. Think of it as a little bit of a, a second taste, if you will. Yeah. Let me just like do an all out. So I started today actually with a post on my community tab, just asking what other people have to say about like AnyTube in general. And I think really quickly we realized there are just certain inherent issues with doing this that are ultimately toxic, and I think I have a problem with that. Do you have any, like, lingering examples? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think the first thing that comes to mind is that you are almost bound to either popular series or, like, generalities. And by that I mean 
you have to do a video on the new Demon Slayer series. You have to do a video on the new JJK chapter. Mm-hmm. You are bound to these things if you want to remain relevant, and you need to c- consistently produce content that will appease the largest audience, which happens to be those that read the most popular series, like by definition. But isn't that a criticism of YouTube, not necessarily any two? Because I know Ron and I were talking about this like mad heavy last episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they go hand in hand. Like, yeah, absolutely. If you want to produce critical content on anything, you have to critique what's most popular to get the most people to watch it. Like that's, it's something built into YouTube itself by virtue of it being a feature of YouTube itself. So yeah, like the, the criticism extends to like the video essay tier or like the domain. It extends to like the fucking, I don't know, the Bakugan tier, like mm-hmm. going to talk about the meta Bakugan. Like, like, yeah, like that's just how it goes. Like you have to talk about what's popular to stay relevant because that's the biggest audience. I think that's just a, a failure of criticism generally. But the problem is with, and I can only apply this to any two because this is the, the sphere I myself occupy. Um, like ultimately we make, youtube videos to we might say to inform but ultimately youtube itself is only a form of entertainment and so when every big video is nothing more than a rehash of the latest jjk chapter it's just like there's nothing that qualitatively distinguishes most of them they don't add anything too insightful to the chapter um the presentation is generally the same it's just it's yeah, I mean, I, I just hate how repetitive a lot of the mainstream content has become. And I feel like you might even be able to extend that critique back into like the decades I'm more nostalgic about. And I, I feel like it's probably a fine critique of, of any era that, you know, whatever is the most popular has to talk about what is the most popular, almost by definition. And that's why I just say like, this is something built into the structure of AnyTube itself. Like this is just a problem. We can't overpass it. It sucks. I wish it was otherwise, but so it is what it is. Going uh, going back to what I said about this being like more of a macro YouTube problem, are there any specific like any tube idiosyncrasies that are like just particular to that community that you find to be a problem that, that you couldn't that you couldn't apply across the board to like other communities? Good ask question because I don't know many other communities outside of the any tube, and when I do, it's like some super fucking like out of touch channel that doesn't actually understand like how to produce a video that's supposed uh, to do well a a good example like everybody was on the squid game wave right uh regardless Mm -hmm. of like whatever community there was just a question like mr beast great example oh that's what i wanted to talk about uh i remember i wanted to talk to you guys about that so mr beast squid game video for example right in my opinion i hated it not because uh of like mr beast doing it not because of like any of the weird shit people were uh saying that it was like pro capitalist or whatever like it's just a youtube video right the only thing that like really got on my nerves when it came to that criticism, and um, it's something I, I actively still have a problem with. I know which tweet you're talking about, right? Yeah, um, it's like, like the one that's saying like, "Oh, this is the create the creator economy." Yeah, is that, that one. Yeah, it was like oh, was uh, Mr. Beast's video took like four weeks. Squid Game took ten years. I guess we could see what the future is really about, and then I like it got under my skin because obviously, uh, not obviously, you guys wouldn't know this, but I. Uh, had heard about the guy, the creator of the show trying to get this picked up and it took mm-hmm. him like 10 years and Netflix hardly paid him any of the profits it made from it going like crazy on social media and just on the platform itself so mm-hmm. when people say some dumb shit like oh my god this Mr. B should fucking mint this video as an NFT that was a real tweet I saw or some shit like that it really like I, I was just like you guys have no conception or respect for art 
just for, like just right off the rip but like even if i'm looking at myself i wouldn't consider many of the videos i create art i would say there's an artistic vision i have when i make them but i'm about to get into like this kind of like i guess my own interpretation of what art is um which is kind of its own can of worms altogether um but to keep it kind of brief i just don't think something like a youtube video especially when you're doing it like on a consistent basis trying to grow or just trying to get as many views as possible to me, it's very hard to be purely artistic and appeal to a large majority of people repeatedly. I think there are some uh, concessions you have to make in order to do that, right? Um, I think that's why you see, um, uh, for example, I, I guess since, you know, we talk about manga and stuff a lot, we can, just to relate it to manga, I think that's why you see, like, generally speaking, as generations have changed, the type of people who read anime and manga or watch anime and read manga now have changed. The structure or sort of pacing and the length of which anime and manga go on for has somewhat changed um, in that shorter direction. Not necessarily because that's better artistically, but because it appeals to the people it needs to appeal to in order to keep going, right? Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if that helps make any sense. I just don't think that, like, I wouldn't consider Mr. Beast videos art. I would consider them impressive. Yeah, me too. I don't know if, I, I don't know if I'd equate those two things together necessarily. So and not to say, like, not being art isn't good. I don't think it really matters. It's, it's but not. I just don't. I I, I guess. I don't like, equate it with art. In this my is head. purely just your, I, I guess, appraisal of what you think the future of create creation is, or like where it's headed. So I have to. I mean, I'm gonna try to pull up the tweet real quick, just because I want to see. Basically, the claim is like you're able to get more views in less time. Therefore, this is the future of creation. I would say this is wrong because it completely ignores content. To me, the big thing that stands out, I mean, I'm not really mad at the take. I just think it's stupid. It doesn't like annoy me or anything. Um, yeah, seven weeks to make, right? Uh, this idea isn't his, right? This isn't something that he did or created or conceptualized, right? And to me personally, as someone who, I won't say creates art, but makes content, right? The conceptualization of an idea and then executing on that idea or at least equally difficult, if not the conceptualization of a good idea is harder. So to me, coming up with Squid Games and what it, what that message is and things of that nature is much more difficult than actually filming and grabbing the actors and doing all of that. To me, the actual coming up with the good idea is harder than anything that like a, a parody or a spinoff could do, right? So I think that the, my biggest gripe, quote unquote, is just with the time. But I mean, I don't really care about the tweet. I just think I just think it's incorrect. I don't necessarily. It doesn't piss me off or anything. Might I chime in here really quick? Shoot, shoot. Because I feel like we are defining art in such a narrow way. Um, going back to like I don't know, like five minutes ago, and I feel like maybe we've since moved from the topic. But to the, I feel like what was implied in your definition of art was that. If you're just creating something for the public, it's not art. Um, so I guess I'll just give you the opportunity to to tell me more explicitly. Like, do you think you can make art that is just for the public? Do you think that still constitutes art, or is that something else? I guess is my first question. So I think art. I think art is is something that is necessarily consumed by other people. Um, just because this is something I usually like think about. So this is just kind of like spitballing, just raw ideas that are coming to my head. I think by making art, you are necessarily making it for yourself along with maybe a small select group of other people in most cases. Um, but I think where I differentiate like a YouTube video from like your, your, your typical art or whatever 
I don't know. It's hard because, like, I would consider like music art, right? But music is something typically made for the consumption of other people, um, so it makes it makes it difficult. Let me put it like this, right? I think I think I want to backtrack a bit. I think when it's made for the consumption of other people exclusively, or at least for my perception exclusively, um, and there is none of your own, um, I guess, personal expression. I think would be the best way to put it. I think that is where I draw the line between something that's art and not. And so to give you an example, right, my JJK Explained videos, right, are not art. I wouldn't consider them art. They're purely informational, like, almost instructional guides of, like, something that is the case in the series, right? However, on that spectrum of art to not art, I would say that, um, I don't know, an analysis of, like, Toji's purpose in JJK is not necessarily art, Right, but it is closer to what art is because it's about my interpretation of his character, what that character means to me. Not necessarily because both of them were made for the consumption of people. Both of them are made for people to view, right? Mm -hmm. But one has my own expression and interpretation of things, whereas uh, one isn't necessarily made for that. So it, it's all about the like expressionist dimension of art for you. Like that that is what yeah. sets art art from non-art and that's why again the jjk videos aren't art because it's just explaining what is um so i yeah. guess my question then would be like is a portrait of a human art um when all it's doing you know on the most basic level is just simply showing that hey this is what the human looks like this is what mona lisa looks like, like there's nothing more to it other than that like this is is the mona lisa then not art and how so, I, how would you account for that yeah, I guess? sure 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 so this once again because this is something i think about so i may there may be some inconsistencies and i would love for you to call me out on them so i can think about it but when i think of like art in that sense of like you know you're drawing a portrait or something like that to me i think barring like hyper realism that one's i'd say any art of like a portrait that is stylized in any way is still art because it is then your interpretation of that person if that makes sense so like um like for example, I guess I, I'll just relate it to my videos because that's what I'm most knowledgeable about. And it can help, like, my mindset can help translate over to this, right? So Toji's character being important to the story is something that is the case, that is factually true, right? He creates a lot of narrative beats that happen later on, right? However, my interpretation of that, that fact, quote-unquote, is still closer to artistry than just the extrapolation of that fact. So, like, stylized portraits and things of that nature... I would still consider art, even though they are depicting what already exists, they're depicting it in a way that is exp that is an, an expression or extension of themselves. Um, so it, does that help? Does that answer the question at all? Yeah, I, I, I do see what you mean, because this is, again, um, there's just like this one TikTok um, professor that does videos that's just like talking about art. I think he's the art and guru on TikTok. And he just discusses the difference between fine art and like, you know, decor and like these other different disciplinaries of what we would consider art generally. And he says that like this item right here is not fine art because it's simply a representation of a boat. Like it's decor, like, you know, it's meant to be put up on your, in the wall of your room and it's not actually expressive. But he says fine art, like by definition, has to have this kind of expressive dimension. And so that's why I think you were quite keen to point out that other than hyperrealism, it, it's all kind of art in the sense that even if you're drawing something objective, you are expressing it 
in your own way. Um, you're giving your view on it. So whether or not you like the object of your art in the sense of, okay, if I'm drawing a portrait of Ronin and just say, I fucking hate Ronin. Um, the way I draw Ronin is going to look a little different. Dare I say it, significantly different than how somebody who loves Ronin is going to draw him. And it's just going to come out in the most subtle ways, but like there is this kind of expressionism just simply there in the composition. And I think that's the difference between art and non-art. And so that's why I I think now I agree that maybe maybe the JJK videos aren't like fine art in the in the strict sense of like there's nothing kind of interpretive about it. It's just well, not even that. It's, 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 it, you're simply describing what you think is there because yeah. it is interpretive. Like, you have to interpret it because it's it's what I'm understanding from it. But it right. it is the closest to me. It is the closest to like um like objective observation. Mm-hmm. Like there are certain points where I'm quite literally just paraphrasing what is said because I think. You know, uh, so I will say this: it's not just like absolutely there's no interpretation because I am changing up what is directly stated in order to make it more digestible. Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. but it is it is much less artistic, I think, than something that is purely my interpretation, purely my understanding of the narrative. Right, right. I think that is because it is it's closer to just relaying objective information that we can show exists, rather than saying, okay, this is what my mental process goes through when I'm reading this, and mm-hmm. let me kind of explain or express how it makes me feel what i think yes. from this that isn't necessarily described in the text can i can i ask one other question really quick yeah you said that the jjk videos are less artistic than something that's more you know interpretive and thus expressive um mm-hmm. but to me the idea of being less artistic implies that it is still nonetheless artistic I mean, so I mean, maybe this is just like a, you know, maybe that's just like a colloquial way to express the idea and doesn't strictly fit what you've been saying so far. But in saying that, you've kind of implicitly recognized that the JJK videos are a kind of art. And I just wanted oh, to yeah. double check to make sure that's no, not no, what I'm saying or to, no, for clarity, no, that's what I'm asking. So, so I kind of, I kind of reframed what I was saying because when I was saying that there's some interpret level of interpretation there, I am conceding that to some, however minuscule level. There is my own interpretation or expression over it is so minimal that I don't really like it's it's sort of like it's 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 technically right, but my my point is more of like the functionality of it rather than like mm-hmm. um the the smaller details. So like yes, it is art by nature of like the definition, or at least my personal definition, it provides some expression in some um like of my own like kind of interpretations towards it but to me it is such a small there's such a small amount of it that i would i think it's just simpler for me to say no this is not art yes this is art right there is none of there's not me in there at least in a significant sense so i will say like you're not wrong for saying i implicit like i implied like okay yeah less because saying less artistic does imply there's 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 some to be had there Mm -hmm. um but it's just a minuscule amount i think i guess is the best way Oh, okay. I mean, I mean that makes sense then. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I have nothing more to say than that. Um, so one, I feel like I no cream. I feel like we've been hogging the, the limelight <laughs> here. Please. Oh no, I just go in I here. I wanted to just like I went first. Like I, I brought I brought up the um the topic. So I want to transition this back to um Doofy's point about uh, AnnieTube, right? Are you seeing any parallels with what Ronan mentioned about like how? he approaches these videos because I've, I've noticed that it touches on the stuff that you were talking about that, that you have a beef with. So 
when he said that he he thought the uh, JJK videos he was making were technically like less artistic, you know, w- w- uh, quote unquote, doesn't that uh, isn't that a symptom of the like anti tube problem you described? Does like doesn't that mean like art on YouTube is its days are numbered? <laughs> But this is the thing also, um, there's a few ways to look at this. For one, I don't think that something being artistic is inherently valuable. For two, even on a platform like YouTube, where I think entertainment is the main you know, function of the platform, I, I don't think that being artistic is more valuable than being informative. Um, again, assuming that they're like somehow diametrically opposed in a certain sense. Um, so even if I think that every mainstream AnyTube video is informative, not artistic, there still might be some value to be gotten out of that on the basis that it is informative. And as we discussed, say with Ava, um, you can find diving into a series entertaining without finding the series itself entertaining. So in a long winded way, like these videos are valuable, but for like a completely different reason than the artistic ones I've listed. It's more like a general. So you come at the problem of AniTube of um, they're making not repetitive content, but very similar content uh, about very similar subjects. In this case, it's, you know, certain series, a lot of, uh, like, a, there's a, there's going to be a lot of attack on Titan videos when season two drops, I think. Excuse me. Yes. It's a fair assessment. Yeah. So with that being said, right, what happens is that there's going to be a lot of uh, attack on Titan videos, but we can also say that there's, probably going to be a fair bit of really good attack on titan videos in that mix and there's going to be a fair bit of really really bad ones so yes what i'm trying to get at is the heart of the tweet as i interpret it and i think as it was intended when it was sent out was the future is no attack on titan it's straight like from the youtube creator to the youtube audience and my uh concern with that kind of thinking is that youtube is a very very irritating platform that requires things like a really good thumbnail a certain kind of title uh descriptions tags all this shit right you can't just say make the thing you can't make a youtube video the same way you can make a tv show and so so wait 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 wait, 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 wait. was your takeaway from my tweet that like normatively youtube should be this other way counter to what it is now uh it's more i'm more asking if that's if that's like your if that was a consideration there you go so is was that like the conclusion that you're drawing and i wanted to relate it to the tweet i sent i was talking about because i think it's it's Mm -hmm. a very similar conversation to be had yeah well that's not what i was calling for simply because even if we had something much more unregulated than what youtube currently is I think the te- like the trends would still fall the way they are currently falling. I think YouTube just amplifies them, makes it more difficult to do things otherwise. Um, by that, I mean, okay, the fact that you're reading Demon Slayer over like Believers by Naoki Yamamoto is already just a function of the fact that the, the latter is more popular. And that's okay. Like, there's nothing wrong with like popularity at all. Like I, I made a whole video actually defending popularity because that seems to be something that people come down on so hard. But my thing with YouTube is that like it will only benefit the popular while simultaneously just like dousing anything outside of that um, and not giving it a chance to thrive. 
So like you will never see a video, I think, on like Arigato uh, being popular simply because like one, the subject matter touches on is, is too edgy for YouTube. Like it's not marketable, but for two, like it's just not popular. Also, like people don't want to like read that because it's it doesn't tackle the kind of common themes that are, again, more general to a bigger audience. And YouTube is in the, in the business of making money. Mm-hmm. So but even if we were to remove like YouTube's incentive to maximize like profit, if we were to like think about like, again, removing like what ad, you know, uh, people who have ads want to have in videos. If we were to even look aside from all that, Demon Slayer videos would still be most popular because it just appeals to the most people. The particular themes Arigato expresses are like very niche. They apply to a small audience, and the way that it expresses those themes are so controversial that it would it's difficult to pick up traction in that mode of thought. Whereas Demon Slayer, it's very safe. It's very common themes. It does so well. Um, and that's why like no matter what the platform is demon slayer videos are just going to do better so as much as i would like to see videos on like this weird shit <laughs> it's it's just not feasible like on the basis of how humans are and how people produce literature so it's not that my tweet was a call for a re you know a reevaluation of the current structure on youtube even though we need those for other reasons other than what i'm suggesting it's just it's just that the reform that I am calling for would not actually ultimately benefit my own agenda. So what I want is not ultimately what's going to happen. And and because I recognize that so concretely, uh, I don't think that's what my tweet is calling for. I, it's just that I, I am launching a critique. Not the fact we're all talking about Demon Slayer, that we're talking about Demon Slayer in the same way, I guess is probably the most concrete way I can put it. Oh, like it's makes- it's amazing for X, Y, and Z, and like all and the X, Y, and Z is like the same as somebody's somebody else's ABC. Or, or yeah, even it, the fact it, that yeah. We're talking about it being amazing, <laughs> I think over and over, and like I, I I think I understand. Like it's not necessarily the topic itself, but it's just the repetitive dialogue surrounding it. Oh, this episode was yes. great, phenomenal, great animation, blah blah blah. So um, yeah, what you, I what yeah. I think you guys are trying to say is that I need to make a why I hate Demon Slayer video. No, because <laughs> actually, okay, I think that in any paradigm. Even if an anime is extremely well received, I think a video that does the opposite and says it's extremely like bad, that will do equally as well because I think polarizing themes on a popular topic will always do well regardless of the general opinion on it. Um, because if you're invested in Tokyo Revengers, you're going to care why this popular video says that it is doing bad, mm-hmm. right? Shout out to Ralphie. Go watch his video on Tokyo Revengers, like the latest arc. It's very well put together. Um, but again, like I, even if the popular narrative is that Demon Slayer equals good, I think there is a large opportunity for Demon Slayer equals bad videos to do well because it's just about what's polarizing. That's kind of what does, you know, the most numbers. Just because, again, I don't care. Like, if you simply say, I think Demon Slayer is an okay anime, like, I don't, I don't give a fuck to watch your video then. Like, whatever. Like, it's the most okay opinion ever. <laughs> but if you say Demon Slayer is the most dog shit, boring, repetitive, poorly animated anime of all time, I'm going to say, oh my god, wow. I have to figure out why he thinks that. Because that's just so counter to what I already think. Then there's actually incentive to watch the video. But if you're saying Demon Slayer is okay, I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever. Fine, <laughs> so whatever. Moving on. You know what I mean? Like, so I... I I don't know why I went off on this tangent, but I, I hope that illuminates something that we've said tonight. I, I, I feel what you mean. And uh, I want to wrap things up in like the next 10 minutes or so, just because we're approaching that two and a half hour mark. Yeah. All right. So there's two things I want to talk about, and I want to leave the floor open to either of you to introduce any other topics. The first thing. Hey, Ronan. 
Yeah. Why the fuck didn't you tell me you watched Whiplash? It's been two weeks. Bro, Not a peep out of I, you. I watch. Like, I'm going to tell you every movie I watch. Hey, no, no, no. What's going on so, here? so here's a little background. For... The obsessive girl from the no, no. Like, Here's, here's I'm why saying. I'm bringing it up. Here's <laughs> why it's important. Okay, so episode episode one I had the sequence where uh, I referenced Whiplash in a totally organic way, dude. It was fucking seamless. And then I decided to keep it in. I was going to cut it because I was like, nobody's going to fucking get this like whiplash reference I, I'm, I'm insane right so i talk so so i keep it in just because like it flowed nicely or whatever and uh br this whole time was like oh yeah I, I get what you're trying to say it sounds like a cool movie i might check it out two fucking weeks go by i see this guy on twitter he checked it out didn't say a fucking word and i and now i'm here just sad because i was like gassing this movie up and i was like oh shit he watched it he watched it i want to talk with him about it and i assumed the feeling was mutual oh it's a good listen 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 it's a good movie. It's basically a story about how I'm not working hard enough. Oh so my I God, love it. There dude. we go. That is what you know. Everybody, I, that's everybody in your away. replies is like, "That's the wrong lesson, dog." Bro, that's that's literally the takeaway from the movie. He broke up with his girlfriend to become a better drummer. You know, he, his whole life basically fell apart okay. to appease Fletcher. Um, but at the end of the movie, who was a good drummer? We don't. Uh, he appeased Fletcher. Yeah, the only yeah, bro, this he, the he movie was a good ended, drummer. That solo went hard. With him literally staring at Fletcher, not the audience behind him, who he was technically performing for. Fucking Fletcher, are you good? Yeah, just like he clearly Fletcher. valued his whole career as a drummer around Fletcher's approval. So the fact that Fletcher is now smiling at him at this final performance, despite the fact Fletcher set up to fuck him over. Oh, you watched it? Is obviously. Dude, I love Whiplash. One of my Bro, favorite movies of all fucking, time. Let's fucking get it, dude. Whiplash. I mean, yeah. I mean, uh, all I have to say is like the fact he literally structured his whole life as a drummer around Fletcher's approval and is finally getting it at the end scene. Like implicitly, of course, he's like only subtly smiling. He's not like, you know, giving like the biggest dandy. Yeah, oh my God, you're such a good drummer. Bro, he um, threw a chair at him, man. And and like he kicked him off the drums. Here's the thing. Go on. Well, to be fair, I've also yeah. kicked you off the mic and said many things to you. But like that doesn't like change the fact that you know, the relationship still exists otherwise. It's kind of a dick move, though, um, on Fletcher's part, because he broke him down to a is. fine point. Yeah. And here's the thing. I understand, like, I feel like I get what the movie is trying to say, you know, like, Tom, I mean, going over, like, the obsessions of, like, being great, blah, 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 blah. But, like, I mean, requiring an obsession to reach um, an absurdly high goal is something that I've not only seen in other media before, but I already hold to, like, I already believe to be true. So it's not like, like, I don't know what other message I should take from it. Like, because he reached, I mean, obviously we don't see the end result, but he essentially reached his goal of like, Fletcher was the symbolic thing of like, you know, if I have his approval, I am good, right? Because of his quality as like a conductor. And he got that approval at the end by literally the obsession that he developed for drumming. To me, all that reinforces is uh, like a, a borderline insane obsession with your craft will lead to the improvement of that craft, which is something I think is true. Whether or not you think that's necessarily healthy for other aspects of your life is whatever. But I do think that the general message is, you know, you want to be the best, be a little fucking insane. So, and, so who's you know, your Fletcher? Like the YouTube algorithm, the audience? Like I don't have I don't have a Fletcher outside of myself. Like maybe old me, me when I <laughs> uploaded daily. I guess that's the problem that I don't have a Fletcher right now. So that's like that's like 
the issue. Yeah, Ronan um, wants somebody to throw a chair at him, confirmed. Yes, actually. If someone would throw a chair at me every time I wasn't working on a script, recording, or editing, I would... And I'd grow to hate them because it, you know, be hurting me. But like, I'd appreciate it if anybody would, you know, I'll I'll pay you like one dollar an hour to to throw chairs at me because I'm broke, so I can't really do much more than that. Uh, any closing thoughts on the whiplash thing aside from uh, Ronan is a little feelings herder, and I cried myself to sleep that night. Huh. Good movie. Um, uh, hmm. uh, I simply enjoyed it. I didn't look too deep into it, honestly, so I don't really have too much um, else to say on it. All right. Last topic before we end this thing off. If he, what did you think of JJK? It's great. That's it? What, what else do you want me to say? Like, it's... <laughs> what you liked about... Gotta, what you liked about it. Who your favorite characters are. Shit like that. Uh, Nanami is my favorite character by far. Really? Um, I, I think he's... he's dope as fuck okay. it's here it's not so much about like development and presence more so like characterization i just feel like they they nail it from the beginning i mean his whole ability like like uh overclock overtime mm-hmm. whatever that's just badass like wh- when he's like ah i'm over my hours now and like he pulls down his tie and he's like it's fucking like you can see like the uh cursed energy that coming out of him and he's like oh okay motherfucker for real now and then he fought like Maito like in the anime and, like that was a like, probably my favorite fight from the whole anime but then his final few fights in the manga were also like spectacular um i love his abilities i love him as a character it's not so much an issue of development as it is of characterization and i think he nails it like visually everything he is supports who he acts as and i think that kind of unity between visual and like conceptual design is something that's much more meritable than a mere development over the course of like 20 chapters so i think he is a lot better than a lot of people make him out to be because yeah sure whatever he doesn't have this grand sweeping development that a lot of people enjoy and that's you know neither here nor there but the fact remains like they nailed this characterization from chapter one of his introduction both visually and conceptually that remained consistent throughout and I think the way it manifests in fights was, again, to answer like Ronan's most recent tweet, was the most underrated JJK fights. It's Nanami because every fight he has is like peak of the series. So I mean, yeah, I, I'm in love with the characters, I'm in love with the story, and Nanami I think is the peak of both of those things for me. Yeah, technically Nanami hasn't won a single fight. <laughs> I don't care about winning though. That, that, that comes into like a power scaling he, he thing. Power scaling Haruta. No, no, because. Uh, Sukuna was the one that killed him. Do you remember Haruta's? He beat him, but I don't think. But but killing somebody doesn't mean you didn't beat like win the fight. Uh, I've won fights where I didn't kill my opponent. I know, but like, <laughs> I, like I, they were there on more or less an extermination mission. Is all that aside though? I, I I think that the art in JJK is phenomenal. Not because like you know, um, Gege's attention to detail. I think that's actually kind of lacking. But like. Mm-hmm. His attention to like movement and motion. Yes, the the ability to capture like movement in a manga is very difficult, and the fact that that he has captured it so adequately is very remarkable to me. Yes, co- that's a kind of root of the manga. But I will say that there are just these whole periods where like the manga feels nothing more than an average battle show, <laughs> and coupled with the fact that like visually it's underwhelming, uh, it became difficult. So everything before. I think Gojo's past is kind of like okay to me. It's a- there are moments that I think are like you know exceptional, like Tojo, uh, like Toto Itadori versus um, Hanami. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was like a, a high for me. But like other than that, everything before Gojo's past, it's just like okay. Um, but like you know Shibuya, one of my favorite arcs in all manga. So uh, 
let that say yeah what it will it's um it's pretty um, Inodori's extermination could have been a lot better unfortunately what's that guy's name by the way Utah. from jjk zero yeah Utah like was introduced cold as fuck i was yes. excited for him to like try and come down and just kill itadori and he's like haha i'm actually a former student of uh, gojo also and i'm here to protect you i'm like oh my god fuck you i wish you were trying to kill itadori and there was something more substantial in that conflict nah, bro, if he was trying to kill but, uh yuji like at that point he would have killed him <laughs> i know but like you could have wrote him otherwise you know what i mean like you could have also had a, like, a more lo- like prolonged conflict if you wanted to if you wrote the character that way but you know it, it was disappointing despite the fact that i think yuta is a pretty cool character not a better <clears throat> excuse me not a better protagonist but a pretty cool character <laughs> and i guess my final comment about volume zero no, not yet. Oh, okay. Are you going to watch the movie? I'll do both. I'll read the manga fairly soon, to be honest. And um, I'll watch the movie when it drops also. No. But, but like right now in Calling Game, like maybe I'm just one of those 10% motherfuckers that don't get it. But like I just don't get it. Like I feel like it could be told more effectively. Is it the rules that are confusing? Because like that's what confused no, me, No, the right? rules are fine. Or like, the rules are like whatever. Or is it like what the it's Calling like, Game is? Like, literally what the calling game is. Yeah, like, in the sense of, like, what it hopes to achieve overall is kind of, like, not so clear to me. Oh, yeah. In the in the sense of, like, what exactly it's contributing to okay. JJK in general yeah, see, is not obvious to me. That took me a while to, like, figure out, too. I, like, it wasn't until I did, like, a bunch of rereads that it was like, oh, that's what it is? Do you want Do you want us to tell you? <laughs> yeah, please. Anything to enjoy this great series. Uh, yo, I'm gonna let Broken Ronin do it. He's been on an explained kick recently. I want to pass um, that torch off to him. I'm sure. The simplest way to put what the calling game like. So, are you asking like why do they exist? Like, what is it supposed to further narratively? Basically, um, mm-hmm. is that mm-hmm. like is that okay? So that's the question. Basically, all this is is like um, it's Kenjaku's. Uh, this is like the calling games are a the the method in order for Kenjaku to evolve in the way that he wants to. So like, um. The way I kind of rationalize it is similar to how, like, you know, Megami had his little mini evolution um, where he unlocked his domain and had to realize, like, okay, you know, gotta stop fucking be willing to sacrifice and kill myself every time I'm having a little bit of trouble, right? The Culling Games are for Kenjaku um, this step to evolve and merge with Tengen um, and basically become this, like, supreme being above everything else. So this is, it's, the specifics of like, okay, how is that going to happen are still being unfolded, um, like, like, still, like, as we speak, because Kenjaku, uh, basically, we got a little bit of a hint of what Kenjaku's doing again, um, this recent chapter, and basically, it's just a process in the evolution of his, like, character and power. Um, I think a lot of it is a little bit ambiguous, because we don't know what Kenjaku like, we know he wants to evolve and merge with Tengen, which is why he has Ghetto's body and things like that. Um, but, like, why he desires this, like, what is the root, um, the root, uh, I guess, what, I, I don't know why I can't think of words right now. What is, like, the root of what he wants this for? Like, why does he desire to evolve in this sense, right? Because it's basically, the cooling games are chaotic. Chaos is what is able to derive this sort of, like, evolution for him. Um, and that's basically what it is, right? I don't know if that makes it any better for you or not. Honestly, I doubt it if, if it didn't do it for you initially. Um, yeah. Uh, I, so here's, man. What, here's, here's how I think of it, because he takes a lot uh-huh. of inspiration from Aizen. Yeah. I would say the Kulin games are for Kenjaku, what 
Aizen cultivating Ichigo was for him. Mm. So it's it is a large series of um I guess extremely charged like uh actions of like you know yuji going through the calling games megami all that stuff all of these characters going through their individual growth all in order to further their own personal motives of development um that's the best way i could put it that it it, it plays a similar role for kenjaku as ichigo did for aizen of like you know aizen cultivating ichigo setting him up versus like ukiyo and grimjow and things like that yeah damn I feel like I had a point earlier to make, but I, I kind of forgot it when you just kind of gave that final bit. I guess my only like issue now is that, like, even if, like, conceptually we can rationalize why this might all be rational for, like, uh, Kenjaku and, like, you know, his ultimate development, blah, 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 it just feels like each chapter has lost sight of that and that it's kind of going off in its own direction. And in a direction that I don't necessarily think contributes to something greater. Like, there are some amazing moments in the most recent JJK chapters, don't get me wrong, but I just am not so committed to the fact that it might be going towards something more concrete, whereas, you know, with Shibuya, I feel like it was all tending towards a single narrative, um, whether or not we knew that or not. And again, it could just be a function of the fact that I don't understand, and nor should we at all understand how this is all coming together, because that'll be, like, the ultimate plot twist for, like, Gege or whatever, but... As it exists right now, I just feel like it's lost the plot, and I yeah. I, I don't know. I, I feel like, all that aside, I feel like uh, Kenjaku just doesn't have the same presence as I want out of like this kind of massive villain. Um, like, yeah, sure, you sealed Gojo, and that's really cool or whatever, but Aizen's presence was much more menacing and oh, always right unknown there. at every step in the, in, the, in the plot. And I don't even think his execution was particularly amazing, but... I, I to not even be able to imitate that at the most basic level to me is a fundamental failure of, of JJK, uh, and, and that's why I think Calling Game is not doing it for me ultimately right now. And I guess the whole thing of like the really the thread that unifies everything is the fact that oh, Calling Game is chaotic, you know, much like uh, Ken Kenjaku. Like okay, like at the most basic conceptual level, you know, at that level of abstraction, I can kind of grant you that that commonality, but it you know. Gege himself has said that I don't think of themes when I write this shit. I got that from you, Ronan. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and, and like by the way, I, I I don't think that what he thinks is right is what is objectively right. But at the okay. same time, yeah, yeah at, at, at the same time, as a viewer, it just feels lost. Um, it doesn't yeah. feel unified and cohesive. Now there might be a single moment twenty chapters later that reverses that, and I will be eating my words. But for the time being. Uh, that's just not the case, and I, that's I simply feel. all I have to copy. That's all I have to comment okay. on, I guess. This isn't to convince you, but just more of like my perspective on it, because I feel like in these types of like discussions, what you feel is what you feel, and it's very difficult, if not impossible, to change that. So I'm not trying to convince you, and I think what you're saying is like a a valid thing. Mine is more of like a whatever. I feel like, but can Shibuya... I can I just interject really quickly? Yeah. Um, sure. JJK is one of like those rare series that I am like I am cheering for all the time because yeah. i want it to be good because i know how good it can be and so any opportunity to hear how good it could be from you know even your most charitable explication like i am very willing to hear that out so you know just okay you don't have to you don't have to apologize for that like you don't even have to preface it with saying i'm not trying to convince you because like i am listening to that trying to believe you just to have more enjoyment <laughs> so 
Um, ultimately, sure. like, yeah, like, please go the fuck off so I can enjoy the series. Because right now, calling <laughs> games is not doing it for me. And I want somebody to I change my mind because I want to love this series. <laughs> so for, for me, here's the way I look at it, right? Shibuya post like chapter 90 or something when Gojo gets sealed. Like, I feel like, okay, I think this is the calling games are in a similar place to where Shibuya was right about when Yuji faced off with Choso. To me, at least. If you, unless you have like this, you know, this awareness of the series that can only be granted via hindsight. I personally felt like them trying to unseal Gojo was a obviously that is their goal, right? That is what we know to be the case, yeah. similar to how we know Kenjaku is like trying to to evolve, right? However, it did not feel like that. It felt like they were simply fighting for their lives, right? And and I guess to use your yes, terminology, right. it's it seems like the plot was lost, like because the, the point of Shibuya is to, for the villain side, get rid of Gojo, yeah. and the point of for the protagonist is to unseal him, right? However, post, like, chapter 105, which is where the show so far reached its conclusion, I was not thinking about Gojo getting unsealed ever. Well, Until now, well, obviously. to be fair... Respectively, I get but that. to be fair, isn't it, like, you're not supposed to be thinking of Gojo getting sealed because the whole... The whole well, driving force of the story yeah, is that he did get sealed, and they have to adapt, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's, that plays to my point, actually. Oh, okay. Um, so the the like it wasn't. This isn't a criticism of Shibuya, right? Uh, it, in fact, it's a, I think a, a thing I can say only because I've seen it and I know how it plays out, right? Um, I was not thinking about Gojo being unsealed, even though you could argue that is the purpose. When Gojo was sealed, that is the purpose of the arc, right? At least from our understanding at that current point in time. From Choso to the end of Shibuya, where Kenjaku was like, see y'all later, peace out, I'm bringing back dead sorcerers that are going to fold y'all, right? <laughs> that is like, I was like, okay, wow, what the fuck? Like, I forgot, Gojo. Like, mm -hmm. everybody mm -hmm. was fighting for their lives. Megami's fighting for his life. Um, Maki's fighting for hers. Nanami's fighting for his. Messed up on that. Yuji's fighting for his, gets bullied, right? All these different things are happening that makes me forget Gojo's character, um, but it all ties together into this nice, neat little bow during the conclusion, right? This is mm -hmm. all building to this bigger reveal. Um, personally, yes. as someone who, I'm, I'm going to be honest, is just a fanboy for JJK. Yeah. I'm, I have a lot of trust in Akutami because to me, he's done this quite a bit. Whenever I read an arc or I read um, or decide to reread um, like a certain portion of Jujutsu Kaisen, I gain a newfound respect of it because I feel like he writes as someone that chapter by chapter is very sporadic um, and honestly seems like it's like all over the place, but ha typically has this more overarching um, structure or idea to it. Like Naoya's character, for example. Initially, to me, he was just a guy implemented into the story. Um, but when you get to the end of the, the, like the Zenin clan arc, I feel like he's supposed to be a representative of all the hatred, misogyny, all the blah, blah, blah stuff the, the clan represented. And Maki killing him or getting rid of him is a sign of her kind of uh, eviscerating the clan in its most, like, hmm. on-the-nose sense. So personally, mm -hmm. right, I feel like I'm okay with getting lost in the specific character-to-character -character moments. I actually relish in that. I want to see... Yuta go off and do his own thing. I want to see Maki mm. go off and do her own thing. I want to see Megumi. I want to see Yuji. And I want to see them get lost in the cooling games. I want to see them play to Kenjaku's tune, right, until we reach this overarching idea. For me, personally, I'm perfectly content 
with these things, with the with theorizing, with trying to piece the puzzle together myself um, through like little little implicit details rather than it be explicit right now. And that's why I'm because mm-hmm. I don't disagree that the cooling games are very scattered, but I feel like that's the intention, and you can look at it in. You know, this might be a, uh, uh, an instance of me ascribing, like, value or substance to something where there isn't any, right? But I think, for example, Megumi and Yuji being scattered quite literally across Japan is, you know, it doesn't have to be symbolic of it. But to me, it's, it's, it's somewhat representative of this scatterbrained nature, very similar to Shibuya, right? Everybody is separated, and they're all getting fucked up individually. And I like that mm-hmm. because it gives me a lot of character moments for them. And when it does, well, I'm assuming, when it does tie into this bigger overarching narrative and Kenjaku is made to be an even greater villain than he is, I'm going to enjoy it even more. I think it's just a difference of, I guess, I'm rather trusting Akutami to tie it together later because he's done it for me in the past. But I don't disagree that the cooling games are chaotic as they are right now. If that, I don't know if that that makes yeah, sense. I mean, te- that makes a lot of sense. Technically, they've barely started when you think about it from in like the grand scheme of things, because the Hakari arc wasn't really the culling games yet. It was the Hakari yeah. arc, right? So the culling games, for me at least, didn't start until like all of them were actually at the front of like the gate and entering the culling games. So when you think about it like that, it was only like four or five chapters ago and for such a I mean, that, massive arc, that's true yeah for such a massive arc yeah. it's just the beginning okay i mean in that sense that's fair um yeah i, I still think that actually i mean ronan i think you've illuminated this issue a lot for me because you're right like shibuya wasn't even consistent to its initial theme nor do i think that that kind of consistency with regards to a specific thing is what makes an arc good i, I feel like it's its ability to kind of dismantle from that do other meaningful things and then come together in the end and so obviously culling game has a lot of opportunities to do exactly that by very explicitly dispersing like um megumi from like itadori and just keeping them apart again keeping these different opportunities for these breakthrough moments for each of them and then being able to bring them together at the very end you know probably with like gojo like being released or something like that um i don't know some shit like that i think you're right um again by prefacing that with like a kind of trust of the author which i feel like i don't bring inherently i should especially in the case of uh jjk which has on several occasions already proven that um gay will kind of deliver on certain themes to just make it the most enjoyable experience possible so i feel like i should have some confidence and i feel like you're justified in having that in your interpretation but i i think you raise a good point as scattered as I think it is, there is still the possibility that I can come together in a very meaningful way to just blow my mind. I think maybe, if anything, my only issue is that, unlike Shibuya, where I feel the individual arcs that kind of split off from the main theme, I feel like those were still like pretty damn good on their own. Whereas in Calling Games so far, there's just a lot of moments that are they could be more satisfactory. Uh, perhaps okay. is my, my main issue like it could just be more yeah, so that was episode is that episode four run episode four of the that's podcast no of the honored one podcast Jesus. thank you guys podcast. for joining us 
this extensively long podcast. Yes. I hope you guys did enjoy this video. And make sure to go subscribe to all of our channels as we have all good content. Jujutsu Kaisen content, philosophical anime content, and honestly a plethora of content. Hunter Hunter, Jujutsu Kaisen, Bleach especially mm -hmm. on Cream's channel coming out soon. Your, your, um, so make sure to go check it out. Your Broken Ronin's channel too. Don't 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 sell yourself short. As well. Of course. Ch check out Doofy's channel. Uh, thanks for coming on, man. It was a really fun conversation. Can't wait to have you on again. Probably. I mean, we're I mean, we're doing that. Great, great response. I know we're doing that bleach uh, tier list, so you gotta. Yeah. I mean, all I'm saying, all I'm saying is, if you guys are desperate for a third host, you know who to you know who to fucking mention. Well, we're not that desperate right, just right. yet. See you guys later. Like, comment, and subscribe. Bye.